Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying Spider-Man lives in LA, but like probably one of the actors who played him. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll be on the street, I'll pull out my phone and start interviewing Andrew Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> the best Spider-Man in the movie they're all that in. That was definitely the one I was thinking of. <laughs> I have not seen any of those. Like, now that I think about it, Garfield is the only Spider-Man I haven't watched any of their movies. I've seen the first Tom Holland one, and I've seen a bunch of the Avengers ones he was in. I've seen the Spider-Verses. I've seen all the Tobies. I think, um, I think he's a really good Spider-Man. The the, the movies do kind of suck, though. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think, especially. Yeah. Like, both of the films are, like, over two hours that he's in, and, like, they're not worth that amount of time, ultimately. In the one they're all in, the newest Spider-Man movie, the crossover one, yeah. he is genuinely, of the three of them, the the best Spider-Man in that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, like, the only way I'm going to rank them. There's no world where I'm yeah. going back and watching his is, movies. Is that movie, is that movie any good? Like... No, nah, it's pretty bad. It was. It felt <laughs> good when I saw it. Like, it felt yeah. incredible in the theater with everyone cheering. Well, on the other hand, Norman Osborn powerbombs someone through a floor. So oh, that's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, Norman, Norman Osborn powerbombs Aunt May through the floor. <laughs> It is okay to talk about mo- movies now, right? Because the writer strike has been like resolved or something, but the actors are still striking, so I'm not sure what the current. So they have a tentative is. agreement as of this morning, mm-hmm. um, which means that the guild now has to vote on it, um, and then if they vote yes, the strike ends. Okay. Well, don't watch um, any of these movies either way. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're endorsing them. I think we're yeah. good. <laughs> like we said, I think Nick cut out the bit where we talked about the Inhuman TV show for a bit. But like, I, I said it back then, like, don't not watch it because of the strike, but just do something better with your time than to watch the Inhumans Yeah, TV I watched show. the Inhumans TV show. It's not worth your time. <laughs> there was that, like, tweet that came out right before the second Doctor Strange movie that was like, you need to watch all of these X things before oh, going to see God. the movie. You did that. Yeah, I and it was like that. obviously a shit post, but I was like bored and kind of depressed. So I was like, <laughs> why don't I just watch all of these things to prove this person that's just making some shit up wrong? And it's like, mm-hmm. what did I accomplish? No one looked at my tweets about it. Like, total waste of my time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good I, I, I enjoyed you talking to Discord about it. But also, I feel like I was like, don't do this. <laughs> I'll say the worst part was the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that I watched for it, and they only, it was one episode, I watched six episodes of Inhumans, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode, which was, like, late in the show, so, so hard to get through. That TV show, I mean, I've never seen it, but it seems bad. I, I, I liked it back, back in the day, but I think I got, like, halfway through season four or something. Mm-hmm. They had, a, they had a good, like, ghostwriter effects, and then, uh... I was gonna say, I keep getting these, like, YouTube recommendations, and it's always... I think it's always the same person, and it's always some shit, like, I watched every Resi winner of ever. I watched every movie in this shit franchise, and it's always a picture of, like, 
her looking like this and this was a mistake most painful thing i've ever did shouldn't have done this like if you know it's a mistake just stop doing this <laughs> it's on all your videos that's the hard lesson i had to learn through that process is like I don't even like hate watching shit anymore. Like that whole thing ruined hate watching things <laughs> for me. <laughs> it needs to be as a group for I was I was with a group and they were like, We're gonna watch Fateful Findings or whatever that awful That's a good movie one. is. And I was just like, No, nah, I'm gonna go. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Some of our bingoos got real upset about having to watch uh, Neil Breen movies. And I don't know. I watched that shit for fun. I didn't get that category. <laughs> I I had a time with it. I can't... It was, it was bad, but it was also kind of good. And the thing about Neil Breen's movies is that pass-through is genuinely, like, horrible. Uh, like, that one is not just unwatchable, but it... the the core idea of the movie is that you need to do genocide on like 10 million people. Like Jesus comes to earth who is near Breen and he does genocide on 10 million people because they're the bad ones. Uh, he does, like, so he does, does a, a good Thanos idea. stab. <laughs> but he he's like, some, and it's not the ideas. only movies where he's like explicitly Jesus. Like there's another one where he's like, <laughs> it always has like some name, like he's either artificial intelligence from the future or his like just the creator the maker like something like that because damn he's in the ultimate universe he is (laughs) (laughs) he's ultimate reed richards Welcome. This is Stan Lee of Marvel Comics warning you to look around you. Your classmates, your friends, you never know which one of them may be terrorist mutants who plan to destroy the human race. Mutants. I hate them. It has come to my attention that you have a mutant power. He's a mutant. A stinking mutant. He doesn't deserve to live on the same planet as normal, decent human beings. Get away from me, beast. Don't you remember what it was like when you first discovered you were a mutant? and fear this week our four heroes have found themselves rescuing holly from an orcus facility which she was snagged off to and that's why she wasn't on last week's episode yeah that holly, makes sense confirm you're alive for the people <laughs> i'm alive i'm drinking a pumpkin spice latte from starbucks nice. and unlike the dark x-men we went back for the rest of our friends janos are you with us <laughs> Hello. And Kiwi, how are you doing? Grand. I just have, like, Nescafe gold 
instant coffee because we oh, ran yeah. out of ran out of the coffee like actual coffee beans yesterday. Yeah, you you need to gold. stay the fuck awake for the next like six hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be fine. The the power of Lord of the Rings will. Uh, are they are they the extended editions? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, this shit's three and a half hours long. So oh, you're gonna hell yeah. And it's like you start with the shortest one, so like on on Wednesday you're gonna be sitting there for five hours. Yeah. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I think that the only one that I that I struggled getting through as an extended edition is the last one. Because the first two you get some, like, real hype shit in the second half that, like, really pumps you up. But the mm. fourth one, like, the the end is, like, a full hour. And it's, like, I've, I've yeah, lost the fourth energy. one. And I, I, guess, I guess it's because it feels like it's too... Um, and I'm Nick, and my dark secret is I've never watched the extended editions <laughs> of The Lord of the Rings. Nick, I'm so sorry, I forgot we hadn't finished the intro. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I've seen the first one in the extended edition, but I missed, like, the first 50 minutes, because my, uh, my roommates were watching it, but I was still, like, recording, uh, recording my guest spot on LMNOP, the podcast on Elementary, uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna wrap up this podcast, but we went on for, like, two and a half hours to talk about one episode <laughs> of Elementary. Uh, so I missed the first like 45 or 50 minutes of the first Lord of the Rings movie and then we watched the whole thing and then never got around to the second one <laughs> I think the second and the third one have the best like extended edition editions basically <clears throat> like you get more Christopher Lee Saruman in the second one like and, like a good few extra scenes of him and like Christopher Lee Saruman is great I'm genuinely not sure that I've watched all of the second or third movie all the way through. Like I'm not. I, I, I'm sorry to the Lord of the Rings heads out there. <laughs> this is no, hard I'm to admit. <laughs> I just. I, I, I had those extended edition DVDs as a kid, and I watched them like twenty times each. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It was that was my shit. Yeah, it was. My mom was always opposed to the Lord of the Rings movies because she was a huge talking head in in like the 80s and uh and she didn't like the adaptations so she like gave us the books but didn't let us watch the movies <laughs> i really enjoyed I watched that. <laughs> the like animated ones a bunch of times oh the real bakshi ones <laughs> yeah the, well the bakshi ones and then there's um it's another studio that did one of them but i don't remember what it is it's like a worse choice than bakshi somehow uh, I'm really endeared by the art style of the Ralph Bakshi ones. Yeah, I love the way Bakshi like uh, does characterization or like stylization, but I hate the rotoscope. It's hard to watch for me. Have you seen the poster for for the Ralph Bakshi Lord of the Rings? No, I haven't. I, I, I want to get me... a poster of Wizard. Because that's just such a sick poster. And regardless of how I feel about that movie, the poster is so sick. Yeah, those movies all have, like, the Bakshi ones all have, like, really cool posters. And, uh, oh, yeah. The I mean, like... when you sign up for a Bakshi movie, you get, like, maybe 20 minutes of really cool animation. And then, yeah. like, a, a like an hour of just, like, the worst shit oh, you're going to see on, yeah. on a screen. <laughs> that poster is... Yeah, I've, I've oh, that is sick, yeah. 
Marvel announced a fuck ton of news uh, about some X-related and some not. The not X-related one is Hickman is doing Uncanny Spider-Man with Michael Ultimate Spider-Man. What did I say? Uncanny, which is the book we're going to talk Ultimate about. Ultimate Spy. Hickman is going to do Ultimate Spider-Man with Michael Cacetro. That would be a bold move. Hickman's that would be interesting. Over Uncanny Spider-Man. It's a series I mean, who now. knows? Because we don't know which Spider-Man it's going to be. They didn't say it. So maybe it is going to be fucking... That's Spider-Man. true. Yeah, Hickman's doing Ultimate Spider-Man. Hell yeah. No, I don't think Hickman is done, gonna do any X-Book, like, ever. Yeah, he's Again, done with for that. the next, like, 15 <laughs> years. Maybe, like, maybe, like, in 2050, they could, they're gonna do, like, what they do with um, Claremont now. They're like, hey, come back and write about when when Wolverine was, like, young. <laughs> Which I... I... We, we've talked about those things a few times and I always like kind of thought that was a really cool idea and like 10 years ago I wanted them to do stuff like mm-hmm. that like Spider-Man stories from back in the day yeah. and I, just yeah, none of them work for me now they're all like I, yeah I really think that's like one of the difference between like viewing media as like a kid versus as an adult like I don't think there's, like, too many deep differences between those things, but I think, like, the desperation for, like, knowledge versus, like, the desperation for, like, something new, like... (laughs) Yeah, like, eventually you learn that, like, every prequel is disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, a bit. Well, and it's also, like, they're not being written by the people writing the, the reason you're excited to find the answers out about that character you know like i don't think they're having yeah and i i mean i wouldn't care anyways if claremont came back and was like i wrote the first hundred years of wolverine's life like that's not what i, mean, I he's want gonna do story. he's gonna do something like that like for wolverine's 50th anniversary he's gonna write a wolverine mini or something but it's mm-hmm. gonna be like out of continuity or it's gonna be like back in the day or some some shit like i don't know what exactly it's gonna be but uh yeah I'm not sure. I mean, we we've seen Louis Simonson has still got it. For, uh, yeah, for absolutely. Gray. I don't know. I mean, Claremont wrote the the doing. like Storm series that came out recently. That was no, that that was Claremont. oh, that wasn't Claremont. Oh, that he was Anna Santi. He wrote like a Nightcrawler mini, and he wrote something. Else. He wrote, he wrote a Gambit mini that I read oh, the yeah. first issue of, and then was like, oh, no, no, I don't like this very much. Um. It was also, it's just Gam- Gambit. I haven't gotten to Gambit in the, like, old Uncanny, uh, but I find Gambit's... Me neither, like, and I'm so far. <laughs> I, I, I find Gambit's, uh, like, phonetic speech bubbles to be one of the worst to read. Like, yeah. I think I might kind of be a Gambit hater. It's a... <laughs> um, just based on having to read Durr so much, like... I am going D-E-R. to be in... New Orleans in like a week, so I'll I'll see how like accurate the Cajun spelling is. Um, and the other news we got was the fall of the House of X and rise of Powers of X. Uh, Jerry Duggan and Lucas Wernick are gonna do Fall of the House of X, and Kieran Gillen and R. B. Silva are gonna do Rise of the Powers of X, as well as. The Resurrection of Magneto, which 
Who's writing that? I don't have that. Al Ewing is writing Al Ewing. Yeah. Al Ewing. Yeah, he. I mean, it's. I I wonder if it's a if it's a thing where he was like, well, Marvel's gonna be bring him back anyway, so. I I better be the one who does it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, if this wasn't being written by him, I would be annoyed because I would be, be like, yeah, throwing uh... like. Oh, you're just gonna undo it? Like, I, it was obviously gonna happen eventually, yeah. but like, having him be in control of it does make me feel a bit more. How long was Jean Grey dead for the second time? That's, I think, the standard for how long people should be dead. I think she was dead for like 15 years the second time. That's how long people should just stay <laughs> dead uh, in comics. I don't think that's gonna happen. Like, <laughs> no, that'll like, never happen. I think these days, like, I don't know how, like, how long Batman was dead in the Grant Morrison years, but it must have been like a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I didn't read any of that. Didn't even know Grant, uh, Batman died. There was, a, there was a death of it, Batman. Oh, oh, yeah, because yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. that's Nightwing when... Nightwing takes over. Nightwing became Batman. Well, there's, there's an arc before that where face? they fight over who gets to be Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually Batman is is resurrected through like a secret machine that he's had the whole time, I think. I remember reading that one, but I didn't have any of the context for what the fuck had <laughs> happened before that, so I could easily be super wrong. <laughs> yeah, from what I understand about Grant's uh, Batman, which I haven't I I've read like a couple of issues of it, but I haven't read the whole thing. But from what I understand, their big thing for Batman is that he has always planned for every eventuality and has like Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he might have also just been, like, alive the whole time and lost his memory, though. I don't know. There are probably a couple Scott times. That's, okay. the, yeah. that's the Scott Snyder run. The more recent time that Batman died. He didn't even die for a full <laughs> issue that time. Like, Yeah, and then he died that one time to become the, the black uh, Green Lantern. The, the, the Black that, Lantern. That barely counts as dying. Like, <laughs> that counts. <laughs> Yeah, I because I I learned I I read a bit of the like recent uh, Wonder Woman run and she was also like dead, but that just meant that the beginning of her run was like she's going to like different afterworlds because when she dies she goes up to Olymp where the gods are and then she just comes back and she's like I am back again. <laughs> well, that's handy. I mean, that's what happens at the end of the the second Shazam movie, as Wonder Woman shows up and resurrects him. Jesus Christ, really? I'm not kidding, that's the end of that movie, yeah. Fantastic. I, I saw the cool. first Shazam film with my brother, and it's it's bizarre. I mean, and that's the I, one that people said is the better one. I like that first one. I, I watched it last year sometime. Um, like, yeah. But it, then everyone, it seemed like the second one was terrible. <laughs> it's really yeah, bad. and and the guy who played uh, Shazam, just, oh yeah, like, he's cried Chuck. all the time about how his movie didn't do good enough. And then <laughs> The Rock posted uh, leaked box of his information. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, that Black Adam was actually doing well. That's another funny thing about reading like DC comics from like a couple of years ago is that one they were really pushing Black Adam to be a character like, <laughs> he became a member of the Justice League for a while uh, and they also had like these interviews with Dwayne um, Ro- 
Dwayne Johnson about why he loves Black Adam so much. And I don't know. It's we all know how that turned out. So it's gonna be Rise of the Powers of X by Kieran Gill. I kind of wonder how like because f- my first you know reaction reading this news was oh fuck yeah that's cool and you know we knew something is gonna happen after this like these minutes wrap up but now I kind of think now I kind of wonder if like Fall of the House of X and Rise of Powers of X are just like like a paint over for like X Men and Immortal X Men. <laughs> Because those, those two are, Duggan and Gillen already write the two, like, main continuity books. And then Resurrection of Magneto could be, like, a renaming for X-Men Red for that while. Yeah, because I, I, I think it is, like, yeah, Immortal is ending before it's got Rise of the Powers. I, he, he said that, he said, like, when I was talking about how many issues I had left... What I actually meant was that was split in two. So, like, alright, so, you know, it's split between these two series, Immortal and Rise. So, like, yeah, it's, like, Immortal's gonna wrap up around 20 or something, and then have, like, a mini-series of this thing. Which, like, you would hope with the naming that there is going to be... It's, they're sort of, like, working on a new... An, another point for for people to build out from yeah but yeah you just don't i don't know yeah what is the end of like an era of comics that's planned look like versus the end of an era of comics where they're just like tired of the writers on it and they start up an a new event with new people you know secret war is the big one that was like planned yeah. out and you know hickman did the whole thing this is not what happened with x-men like with yeah. Take my leaving early, there's you know you had to somehow like improvise the the ending of the whole thing. So I don't know. It's also the other thing is that Brevort said he's only gonna like it's gonna take a while and there's like events planned for all of twenty twenty three where it's still gonna be in the Avengers office. So you'd think this like, era is gonna be over once Jordan White leaves the office. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's gonna be, like, one more chapter of this Krakoa era after Fallen Rise. Was was it described as, like, the the beginning of the end of the Krakoa era or something? Okay. Like, or maybe it was just the end. Uh, maybe I'm just misremembering because Fall was probably also described as the beginning of the end, but um, yeah, <laughs> I kind of yeah. It's hard to know whether where where that switchover happens and whether it is a big deal and whether whether we're going back to the mansion or not. And as <laughs> everyone no immediately way. was saying, no way they're going back to the mansion. Like I think when Brevort takes over, Krakoa is gonna be around, and maybe it's not gonna be where all the mutants are. But I think it's just like very useful to have like a mutant state. Like I, I don't see a good reason why they would just completely kill Krakoa. Yeah, especially when Krakoa is like at a really good point to just like start something new there in terms yeah. of like what its government is and like what their cultural like ideals are because they've 
they've realized their flaws in in some of what they were doing. Um, uh. And I mean, I think it's going to like not be necessarily a better era for Krakoa, but I think it'll be like something different. What what if the the House of X that's falling is Orcus because that's uh, Moira Ten's thing, and it's they're doing a reverse where this time it's House of Ten Powers of X, <laughs> and then the Powers of X is the new power structure of mutant kind. I think you're exactly right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't consider that, but I think you're exactly right because I was thinking about how like if. Duggan writes the fall and Gillen writes the rise, right? Like, Gillen writes Xavier currently. Uh, he writes, like, the former Quiet Council people. So it can't mm. be... Fall of House of X can't be the fall of Charles. I'm not... Yeah, I, I... This is a good theory. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. I'm... Yeah, it literally just came to me there, but <laughs> I, I, I like my idea, so. I like the idea, too. Yeah, I, uh, I think, yeah, I, can, I, I don't think we can come up with a better, like, theory of what's going to happen. I'm just really wondering, like, what the time frame on this is, because that's going to be, like, starts in January. If it's, like, six issues both, but 12 issues, maybe bi-weekly. Yeah, maybe they um, do the the like Hoxpox thing. How did Hoxpox? Where they release it? Like... That was like one every two weeks or something, right? Well, or what? Well, that would. Yeah, it or was, no, it, it was like one. It of, was was one, it one a week. One of each every two weeks, or, or no? I'm I'm saying no, that, that would have just been normal monthly. Yeah, but... I th- I yeah, I don't re- fucking remember. <laughs> I don't, I guess, yeah, I, I came in yeah. after it had finished, so I didn't keep track of it at the time, but. I don't know. It would be cool if they had, yeah, a, a compressed schedule had a bit, like, had it be an, an event in that way. But then I feel like if it's that much of an event, you're probably putting all the rest of the Xboxes on hiatus or something. I think which so. they could do because fall ends and that's everything, like, finishes in a, in a couple of months. Yeah, all these limited series. Yeah, yeah. The minis wrap up, and all the all the ongoings are either Duggan or Gillen or Ewing, and they all have their thing. And uh, Percy is gonna do either Wolverine is gonna continue because, of course, it will. Um, yeah, I guess Sabretooth War could thing. just be kind of separate. I'm not sure. I I don't remember when Sabretooth War was set to start. Um. I think it's November or December, I think. Uh, Fuck, I just accidentally just googled Sabretooth, which is not going to help me. Sabretooth War... You ever ever Google Wolverine and then you're just like, "Ah, maybe I will look at the Wikipedia page for the animal. (laughs) (laughs) But Sabretooth War is going to be 10 parts and it begins with Wolverine 41. So, oh, so that's like January or something, right? That's like, yes, okay, yeah, yeah it begins on, yeah, January 10th is when Wolverine, when Sabretooth War starts. Yeah, so there, I guess that's it then. We have Percy and Lavelle writing the Sabretooth Wolverine thing, Ewing writing Resurrection of Magneto, and Gillen and Duggan do their thing. Um, 
make so sense that, to me. That really seems like it's wrapping up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that we lay it yeah. out like this. We'll have to see. Like, pres- there's there's got to be more stuff announced. Like, because the, yeah. the, I think the house or Rise and Fall stuff was like a leak. Um, that for the whatever New York Comic Con um, panel. So there's there's got to be more stuff announced there. And yeah. they they got to announce something that's not written by a dude because they got kind of <laughs> slated for that on Fall of X. Um, yeah, it kind of happened. Maybe like, they'll manage the, it this time. All the like, realm and that's it. Women and non-binary creators just went off over to DC. Like, it's not the best look. Well, all the, like, <laughs> people running the X office or what are, like, for the most part, like, cis men. Yeah. Like, so. <laughs> yeah, Comic-Con is going to be, the Comic-Con thing is going to be on October 14th, so. Okay, we'll yeah, that was the We'll not know by next episode, but we'll know in, like, three weeks. <laughs> Do we do we want to swing into our issues with Uncanny Spider-Man? So, Uncanny Spider-Man, one uh, written by Cy Spurrier. I don't remember who does the art, but the art looks great. Um, or actually, wait, I have it right here. Lee Garbutt and Matt Miller. Uh, Nightcrawler is operating as a hero in New York, trying to clear his name while disguised as a Spider-Man. Uh, an Orcus division led by the Vulture plan to hunt him down and are creating a hound program using Rain Sinclair. Uh, Kurt discovers Mystique living in Central Park as a homeless person who has seemingly lost her memories and Orcus hired mercenaries led by Silver Sable to fight Nightcrawler. Does anyone know if Silver Sable and Nightcrawler have fucked? Because I feel like they might have. <laughs> I don't know and this that, character. that might be the reveal at the end there. But I don't know. But I would not be surprised. Um, also, yeah. I got her mixed up with the what's the, the? There's like the silver fox is like the Israeli one or something. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> it's not her. Oh, okay. And then there's also silver fox from Black Cat. Oh, the, the, oh yeah. Maybe the, it's yeah. maybe the one I'm thinking of is a different name then. Yeah. It's silver something. I mean, Silver Sable definitely looks like someone that Nightcrawler probably fucked. Like, I mean, everyone wants. I think her and Spider Man. Yeah, he just went. I don't know. Let's not get into his whole like adoptive sister thing. She has a romantic history with Spider Man with Peter Parker. Oh, yeah, I remember reading that. She's in like the video game. She's in the or the cartoons. She shows up a lot. I think it might be during his billionaire era was when I read the two of them as being a couple. My but. guess is it's happened like more than once because Peter Parker tends to like cycle through the same four or five love interests whenever he's not married to Mary Jane. Oh, do I have a Silver Sable comment? I don't have a Silver Sable comment. I have a Star of the <laughs> Issue comment. Uh, presumably to Nightcrawler. What they're yelling at him at the start is the bug, the bug, <laughs> the. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. 
That's the kind of cutting edge commentary I've got so far. I do. Uh, I I did get a big laugh out of because this first like action scene is uh, like it's it's normal action scene shit. Uh, Nightcrawler is trying to do witty one-liners because he's being Spider-Man now, and then uh, yeah. The villain's reaction is to shout, Die, freak! And then, Ah! 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 <laughs> <laughs> like that, that. The Nightcrawler one liner thing, that's like, you know, that's cute, but the the villain just being so bad at like being witty in any way is, was just really funny to me. Yeah, I like that he's bad at it because he can't like stay short with what he's saying. He's always yeah. long winded, and that's why he's not funny. It's not that like, He's just making bad jokes. <laughs> He's an actual character trait that's getting in the way of it. He's like over explaining it. Just just in case. He's he's good. It's it's me if I were Spider-Man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he fucking whips out this is the other here's the thing about Uncanny Spider-Man is we had high hopes for this, and I was really happy reading this because this is like if you if you sell me a comic where Nightcrawler is Spider-Man. This is exactly that. <laughs> um, so you know, it's it, it it delivers on on the promise of the premise. Um, and the first the first cool thing that he does is uh, he's not only Nightcrawler with the Spider-Man. He's also Nightcrawler with a as he's also Nightcrawler as Spider-Man with like a glowing saber. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which Miles Morales also has a uh, like glowing uh like lightning sword he can summon now. Oh hell uh, yeah. So this is this is a Spider Man trait, you know. <laughs> if if more than if two Spider Men have it then any any of them can. Um in the YouTube Spider who is and who isn't a Spider Man iceberg, we're gonna see magic on the list now because of the <laughs> swords. Uh, she can teleport. This this Spider Man can teleport, you know, there's there's it crossover. Is, yeah. I mean That's with the fucking everyone is Spider Verse shit they're doing these days, I'm surprised that that doesn't exist. I mean, have you seen the next one they ate? the next multiverse story they've announced because it was in the advertisement this week. The Jeffverse. Oh, Jeff yeah, is going I, uh... everywhere. God damn it. Just no. when I thought it was out. They got me back in. <laughs> I didn't know that because I've seen there was like a new Jeff issue that came out or something and he was in the Venomverse thing where Jeff got Venomized. And then the power of boy band saved him. The <laughs> He he did a little dance along with the like, whatever N Sync or something, and that sounds just, fun. Oh, <laughs> one became read all Venom. The stuff. It's very cute. It's like it's all like without dialogue, so it's really mm-hmm. quick, and you just look at Guri Hero's incredibly cute, beautiful art, and just have like the best facial expressions and stuff. No it's, dialogue it's cuts out the most annoying part of, like, cute slash funny witty comics, which is when the dialogue is terrible. So <laughs> yeah. this is really yeah. compelling. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think I, the I only dialogue is people shouting, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds it's, great. I mean, it's, it's Kelly Thompson who I think wrote 
Deadpool also, and I don't know how good that run is, but uh, I did uh, I did enjoy her new like uh, Birds of Pride thing. What's going on? Yeah, she's also one who did a who just finished a fifty issue run on Captain Marvel and is mm. now gone over to DC. Yeah, <laughs> and just like they they just can't keep anyone. Yeah, that Birds of Prey number one was real good, so I'm excited for that series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. Uh, I was gonna save it for the recommendation, but like the reason why I mentioned uh, Wonder Woman earlier is because there's also a new Wonder Woman run by Tom King, and the first issue is amazing. Like it's maybe my favorite number one issue I've I've read. Like all. Year. I I only saw people making fun of the like ending reveal of it because every everyone I see talk about comics hates Tom King. So. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh, he joined the CIA after 9-11 and oh, that's very funny. Is, is very proud of his work that he did in the CIA <laughs> post 9-11. Yeah, to be uh, honest, I think that makes him a great Batman writer. Like, that's, that, I think that would only add to it. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah and I mean, um, this, this one is also very... Oh yeah, that's... Okay, the ending panel is very funny, but uh, I, 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 I like... Like, it's... The thing is, I think the Fed thing makes sense uh because it's like a very political thriller comic but like you know in the same way that uh john le carré is great at writing spy novels because he worked for the british government like (laughs) yeah i mean i've i have liked like plenty of tom king stuff i read back i have his like vision series some yeah I moved all my comics out of this room, and every time I look over, and I'm like, "Oh, my comics are here," but it's just manga. <laughs> and it's just it's makes me makes me annoyed now. Um, um, but jumping back uh, to the anyway, book, <laughs> Uncanny Spider-Man uh, Flash number one is also coming out. So Cyspery is also. I don't think he like jumped ship. I think he's just one of those free agents like Chip Starsky, who like works for both now. Um. Yeah, but we see the, like, first introduction of Mystique in disguise, and she's wearing a hat that says, I heart Latveria, which is funny. Um, (laughs) And uh, a sentinel shows up, and uh, Spider-Man is not able to be picked up by the sentinel because of his anxiety demon demon that's haunting him. (laughs) His, his his magic little baby friend. Yeah. <laughs> Who hates him. It's, it, yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't think I like this little guy. <laughs> I like him, but he's, yeah. but I shouldn't. I mean, kind of looks like a homestuck, though. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah a little it. bit. <laughs> I don't see it at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I like um, I like Hellcrawler being put forward as the nickname. For, oh, it's for... so fun. I I love the like data page that is just the Spider-Man forums where everyone is debating yeah. what they yeah, should they're name all just riffing. Like... Yeah, <laughs> people keep does does everyone does everyone know who Devil Spider no. actually is? Uh, from uh, MC2, which is the universe set like 20 years in the future, 
the main character of which is May Parker, uh, the daughter of Spider-Man. Uh, Devil, Devil Spider is Daredevil's son, who also dress, is, does a Daredevil slash Spider-Man thing. Uh, and also in the main universe, I think Hobgoblin was Devil Spider at some point. But the one they're referencing is the the Daredevil, Daredevil son, who is also doing a Spider Man thing, and I think is like May Parker's boyfriend at some point. Um, he looks pretty goofy. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, uh, also, I love the form data page. It really reminds me of forms, like the the. Uh. It makes me sort of miss forums because they don't exist in the same way as they did anymore. Like you don't get this kind of thing. Like instead, you have like replies on Twitter and Facebook, which are a mess. And like the funniest joke in this forum page to me is the guys. How about Devil Spider? Then one, two, three, four, five, six comments later. Can't believe nobody suggested Devil Spider yet. <laughs> which which is like every forum post I read through when I go back, there's someone saying like, oh, have you tried this thing? And yeah. again, completely ignored. And two pages later, someone's like, these idiots didn't even say about this thing. And then they get ignored and someone brings it up again two pages later. Oh, my favorite part is someone suggests I could get behind Spider-Man and then Barry the Tarantula just explains the joke back at this person, like, lore sounds yeah. like yeah. Pokemon rip. And like in like two paragraphs and then I mean exactly. I like I like Barry when he's like lol fake stan alert. You bet you're only here because of the X pages are shut down, which is like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> it's that's it's some good little world building. It's a it's a really good data page that one. I also just like nobody checks the list of Spider-Man. We have a list of Spider-Man you can check. <laughs> Because there Mods. are so many of them. Mods pin the list. God, yeah, I mean that's also such a forum thing. Nobody looks at the pins. Yep. Um, or the or the Discord equivalent is nobody knows how to use the search function, which actually works really well on Discord. Um, nobody read the FAQs. Um, the the other thing I love in this, I mean, we're just jumping all over the place. Uh, we might as well. Yeah. That's very Nightcrawler of us to teleport from place to place. <laughs> I love the conversation that like Nightcrawler and Spider-Man are having where Peter is like, okay. <laughs> are you, He's are like... You, are you alright? <laughs> He's like, I, I, ain't, I ain't reading all that, but like, I hope you're doing okay. It's it's also like the the things like hey Kurt you showed up here to like be Spider Man and you were gonna like help people and clear your name and Kurt's just like forlornly looking down sadly and he's like yeah I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's funny that Kurt says like out loud to like his little anxiety demon, um, get out of here and then Peter. The next thing Peter says, like, two pages later after he's had a full conversation with the Anxiety Demon, is like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's... Uh, Also, stop eating pizza off the floor, uh, I believe is implied. (laughs) Uh, I think he's eating dumpster pizza. I think it's, like, the stuff at the convenience store they're throwing out at the end of the day. (laughs) 
Oh, I'm sorry for for the the New York City dwellers. The mm-hmm. bodega. Oh. It's the bodega. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to New York and we didn't get a single slice of pizza the entire yeah. time I was there. You missed out on that New York slice. It um, would have changed your life. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> um, um, I, 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 oh, Kiwi, go, 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 go. I was just going to say, I really like uh, the suit. Um, yeah. And I feel like you, the, oh, here yeah. the full page where he's just sitting, you can, or like half page, uh, you can really see it. It's just a very cool design. Kind of reminds me of uh, Wonder Man as well, which I, yeah. I don't think anyone wants to be associated <laughs> with really, but um, it's just like, it's a very cool, it's a, a good color scheme on it. And like, when he's in action and he has like the glowing white eyes, it also looks really cool. Um, and he he's looking he's looking nice here with his with his his hair all wavy, doing his uh, handsome broody thing. I like that Spider Man is like, how does the tail work? Yeah. How would you get that to happen? <laughs> I'm not gonna ask actually. <laughs> uh, and then we get. Uh, uh, v- villain number one for this series, um, which is the Vulture, Director Vulture. Direct, yeah, Vulture is Vulture was my uh, it was my old name. You have to call me Director Vulture. Not. <laughs> I thought he was gonna be like Director Tombs or whatever because he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm Director Tombs. I'm I'm I like I'm a I'm a director of Orcus now, but he's like Director Vulture. It's still Vulture's still in there. <laughs> it's a it's a good joke. Yeah, it's oh, uh, what's the someone who's more up to date on Spider Man lore than me? Didn't Vulture like retire recently? Is is that what he um, did? I think he did, but then oh, he was back somewhat recently, and he was like pissed off that he was out of retirement. No, actually, thing that happened is uh, Miles Morales goes to school with Vulture's granddaughter. Yes, they're actually like going out at the minute, and I think it was. Um, he was retired, and then his granddaughter found out about him being Vulture and was, like, disappointed and upset and was like, I can't believe my granddad, who I loved, is an evil villain. And then I think it's because of that he was like, damn you, Spider-Man, you ruined my relationship <laughs> with my granddaughter by making me fight you all those times. By telling something. her the things that I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Now she's just like hero vulture, so that's cool. Yeah, um, that's cool. And she's just encouraging Miles to go to therapy. Please, you you need to go to therapy. Um, I I also know that in one of the Spider Man cartoons, the vulture was obsessed with like aging and immortality, which appears to be what he's obsessed with here. But I don't remember if he ever was in the comics before this. Uh, honestly could be but 
I've, I've probably read like 50 comics where Vulture is the villain and I can't think of like any of them. <laughs> this is my so, other thing, which is like, you could probably choose like any science-based Spider-Man villain for this role. Like at yeah. the moment it's like... Oh yeah, they'd easily fit in. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they're gonna... Like the next, the next one has the rhino on the cover, so I think like, oh, they're collect, they're, they're doing Sanctuary all of them. Sanctuary is just like picking from the rogues gallery. Rhino has been kind of a good guy okay. for a while, so oh, he might be. be good. It'll be or it'll be a mix up, or he'll be like. Again, it's been sort of in the in the Miles stuff. It was like, yeah, Miles was like, hey man. You really do not need to be a villain. You can just like be a, a nice guy. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I guess, I guess I can." Damn, no one ever put yeah. it that way. <laughs> That's all. Like, never pointed out how I'm not getting anything out of this. Helped him save his girlfriend or something. So, but again, uh, it, it's like he could just be a villain next week, or it could be you know a mix-up where Rhino thinks. Nightcrawler's evil or something, uh-huh. but um, poor Ron, poor poor Ron, like y- yeah, she's so Wolfsbane is being experimented on to become the first hound in Director Vulture's hound program. Yeah, um, so a couple of things. One, it feels like only last, only a few months ago, we saw saw uh, walking around all happily in the Morlock sewers in some fun outfits and now she's been kidnapped and is having phalanx technology implanted in her, it looks like. Um, which, you know, makes sense. That, that, that stuff happens all the time. But, like, I think she's having, like, phalanx stuff put in her. Um, it's some sort of Techno organic something. Yeah, yeah, it looks like phalanx tech, but who knows? Because uh, I'm also saying that because, like, when he he's like, "Call me Director Vulture," like his wings look all phalanxy. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a cool look. Yeah, it it is a cool look. I have to I have to hand it there. I gotta hand it to Vulture. That's that's a cool look. <laughs> um. And we know Cyspuria was setting up some phalanx stuff uh, back in Legion of X as well, with with Warlock and Nimrod and all of that. Um, is the Hound program one of the like things in one of the various post-apocalyptic futures for the X Men? Yeah, it's yeah, a Days cool. of Future Past thing. Days of Future Past. Yeah, thing. so. Uh... Rachel is uh, a hound uh, in the house okay. program, yep. and then she's able to be rescued in the the dead future she's from um, by the remaining X Men forces before ultimately like coming back into our well the six sixteen like timeline. Mm. Um, we also get a name for the for the uh, killing ten humans for each mutant threat, which is Ultimatum X. Um, yeah, it was kind of noteworthy how much it was. Or it was uh, there's like two different issues where it's like Wolverine as well, where they're like, oh shit, we need to like clarify that. 
Yeah. Because like we were saying last week, it was it didn't seem like it was being enforced. Yeah. And now oh, yeah. they're saying... And the clarification is really just like, we're waffling on it. We're not sure about doing it, right? Like, or I am think, I misunderstanding? I think they need to capture an X-Men. It, it says, like, Wolverine says they need to capture an X-Men, like, not just the sighting of a mutant. But if they... If they can't yeah. launch, that doesn't really make sense to me as a threat. Like, I think the Wolverine one implies that they have to have like solid proof in order to go through with it, um, which like is again kind of a wild statement. It's like yeah, the like evil <laughs> fascist villains have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that a mutant was there in order to execute ten humans. I mean, that's kind of the conversation that uh, Tombs and his uh, assistant here are having, where they're they're saying, like, they're literally like, we can't prove it's the Nightcrawler. That could be a, guy, a new guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I kind of wish, like, like, this is relatively, a relatively, like, there are relatively dark concepts introduced in this, and, like, that, you know, there's a mutant being tortured, and... Kurt's already emo and sad. I I wish Vulture had been like, yeah, go through with it, kill ten people and tell Nightcrawler he's responsible. And we just got, like, maximum, like, brooding emo Nightcrawler, like, their blood is on my hands, He he could be, like, in the rain, like, I'm responsible for so many deaths, like, I saved one life, but ten were lost. And he could be really sad about it, and, um... Yeah, I like that he's jealous of of Peter being like, you get to do like yeah. the fun small level stuff. Like I have to teleport a moon. Yeah, you look like a normal I'm guy busy. out of your costume. <laughs> like, oh, P- P- Peter's really going through it at the minute, though. <laughs> In his <laughs> comics, he's he's evil mode at the minute. Great. Oh, is this? Is he still like in his like Norman Osborn suit or whatever? No, he did the Norman Osborn suit is until like the next issue. Uh, oh, he, he did. He did get stabbed with a spear that contained all of Norman Osborn's sins. Oh, classic! Like, Just like Queen Goblin. Him. <laughs> yeah, by by Queen Goblin. By so. Queen Goblin, unrelated to the Goblin Queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's too many of these dang <laughs> superhero characters. There's too many there's goblins. Too many go- there's far too many goblins. Yeah. There's like, in in just hobgoblins, there's like five. It's... Yeah. Kurt saves a woman in a park from getting stabbed by Mystique. Kurt saves a bigot and then doesn't immediately drop her when it's revealed to him that she's a bigot. <laughs> Well, look, she, it's very she funny. was coming on pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she really was. As, uh, she, she does essentially say right on people when they do. have conservative in their bios on dating apps. Like, just to see. <laughs> just to see if they'll swipe right he, on he's him. He's like, so. I, I could change her. I could, I could make her better. It's because he's, her. he's the embodiment of hope and optimism. He's got a whole sword because of it. He can Yeah, but that, he doesn't have any of it now. It's in the sword. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, he's also trying to keep up, you know, the facade of it. Like, he doesn't want to, like, be like, oh, fuck you, I'm a mutant, so. Yeah, he's like, uh, gotta go, bye. Oh, hi, mom. <laughs> yeah, her, like, because deta- she, she wears, like, a necklace, uh, she wears the racism necklace, where it's, like, 
beeps when there's a mutant around. Uh, but it turns out it was for, uh, for this homeless guy who is actually Mystique, and also, I mean, this is the big, this is the big mystery of this comic, and, you know, I was really excited when this happened, because I did not expect, you know, an additional mystery from this comic, right? Like, what you expect from this is gonna be, it's like, uh, Nightcrawler, kicking bad guys um so this this mystique mystery i'm i'm really not sure what because she's like where's my baby so she's either like just forgot everything or i i was also thinking maybe it's like a time displaced version of when nightcrawler was born because it's got to tie into the nightcrawler origin book somehow um, I think she just got like fucked up by Xavier. Yeah, yeah. Really I think she just got up. brain damage right she now. She fell from really high directly and also onto her, her brain Exploded. Yeah. Before that, like <laughs> this is uh, this is sort of like a sitcom plot that Mystique has landed into. Like this is a soap opera. Like, oh, we we thought uh, I thought my mother was dead, but it turns out actually she just fell off a cliff into the sea and washed up, and she's <laughs> lost her memories, but she remembers who her real child is now, and the secret story behind my own origins. It's very soap opera to me. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I. Did did anyone else read Dark X Men before this? And no. there's like the um, when when Maddie is like looking in the yeah. demon cerebro, uh, she sees Mystique out there, and I was like, oh, cool, confirmed, Mystique is out there and alive. <laughs> and then I read this, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that wasn't a mystery anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do we have any final thoughts on uh, Nightcrawler? Because I, I feel just, like we've I gotten silver sables like... on a plane. With her As I was like skimming through it, there's a there's a great side gag where one of these bad guys on the plane is reading a magazine called Fille et Fromage, and there's a picture of a girl in like a bikini holding a big wheel of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, "Lock those away. People don't want to see your cheese porn." <laughs> yeah, like the the Americans are squeamish about that sort of stuff. That's true. Is Silver Sable European? Is that something? Yeah. Uh, uh, Samarkia, the one that's like right next to Latervia. Ah, uh, fictional um, European. Got it. Yes. Uh, it's. You ever look at the map of like the the Marvel Universe version of Earth and you can just see the like Eastern Europe just has like 10 extra countries squeezed in there. <laughs> And then, like, right around Wakanda in Africa, there's, like, five extra countries that are just squeezed in there. And then th- there's a couple in South America, and then the entire rest of the world is just, like, normal. Ma- Madripoor is in there somewhere as well. Yeah, Madripoor's an it's island. Kinda... You can put islands wherever you want, really. Yep. Uh, one thing that was from earlier where they're listing Nightcrawler's powers and they mentioned that he can blend in in darkness, which is a power that does not, as far as I can tell, basically hasn't come up since Chris Claremont wrote the book, but did come up a lot 
in Chris Claremont. <laughs> and it has been very weird reading that, and it's like, yeah, this is just one of Nightcrawler's, like, things. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's that, like it, it makes sense when that's his name. Like, his name is Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yeah. He crawls um, in the night. Yeah. And it's just nice to have that back, because it was like, oh, hey, like, why does why this never come up anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Sizebury is, like, in the in the Steve Orlando category of liking to pull up obscure old stuff. Yeah, I respect it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's good. Like, it's not, like, distracting or anything, or it's not like he suddenly has a power out of nowhere where everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? It does kind of feel the same as, like, Immortal. Uh, oh, yeah, with Charles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And they're, he has they're telekinetic just like, hey, powers. <laughs> Did you know? Well, if you didn't, now you do. Yep. Yeah, it seems like over time they kind of just flatten all the psychic powers to be the same. Yeah. Um, it's just like, what are what aspect of it are you good at and what are you not good at? Yeah, yeah what I did mean, they spec I into? Think- I think Children of the Vault is also doing this where it's like these like because I wasn't aware that those are like Cable's and uh, Bishop's powers like before like it feels like that one really uh, tries to uh, showcase their powers that they weren't really throughout the Krakoa era. Cable's power a lot of the times is just has a big gun from the 35th century. Yeah. Which yeah. is a pretty cool power. But <laughs> well, and yeah. I think the last time I can remember Bishop's power actually coming up was the Bishop batteries that were in um, The Sins of Sinister, where he just took Bishop's flash and cloned it to be just, like, huge batteries that he mm. could store energy in. Uh, Sins of Sinister was cool. <laughs> Sins of Sinister was, was cool. That was a good event. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, okay, Kiwi, how are you for time? Yeah. Uh, I might just head off now uh, b- before you start another issue. Yeah. Um, and then just for, because if, if, if we just talk for like five minutes and then I leave, it's kind of yeah. just end up weird. Do you have yeah, any that's like fair. big uh, opinion, statement on any of these other issues? Uh, I think Nemesis is uh, Guardian's wife. Um, who, because, uh, she's like, oh, I don't want to have that conversation yet with Guardian. And also, cause I think the last time, according to the Marvel Wiki, the last time that character was seen, she was just like stuck in a VR headset to like unbrainwash her or something. Um, like three years ago. Uh, so I think it's her and they're going to be like, oh no. Are, are you okay or whatever? I don't know. Because also the, the cover for the next issue has like all of the Alpha Flight people looking shocked whenever ne- with like Nemesis taking off her mask. Mm. So, mm. Um, other than that, nah, uh, I got nothing. Uh, so, I'll talk to you. Um, okay. Which book do we want to talk about next? Oh, I have a, I have a, a, a small joke to make first. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <It's... laughs> the con- consider- what, what, considering. What I love about jokes is when they're announced, like. <laughs> <as one>. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> C- considering the the uh, our appreciation for these comics, we should have recorded this podcast on a Wednesday because then it would be a midweek. <laughs> it's a midweek. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. it is. Thank you. I'm gonna pause here so the audience can like laugh appropriately. Um, yeah, and they're they gonna need to stop collect laughing. themselves from the floor. Yeah. yeah. Okay, don't listen to this while you're driving a car. It's like, you're gonna keep getting news. There's some huge accidents happened, and uh, and they find what was on on this person's iPod while. I don't know. Doing, doing the that. autopsy of the body, they cut it open, and yeah. the iPod is, <laughs> is in there still playing the episode. Yeah, I mean, if we if we do another really long one, I don't think there's like four more books left, but there's like two. There's three and a half more books left. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's the Which half? The half I'm book. intrigued. Wolverine. Wolverine is the half book. Ah. Okay. I just of the ones we have left to talk about, that one I have like almost nothing to say about. Because it's kind of just like an issue of a comic. Yeah, I I thought that one was the most solid one. Although I have some weird, there's some issue. I mean, it's better than X Force was last week. I think it's more substantial. But I mean, I guess we can start with Wolverine then. Start with Wolverine. Yeah, we might as well get it out of the way. Wolverine, and now the Hulk. Uh, on a road trip, Wolverine catches us up on the fall of X status quo uh, in order for his clones not to cause more deaths because of Orca's threats, Wolverine starts hunting down the escaped clones beasts made of him during Weapons of X. Uh, the Hulk joins him to hunt down the clones who have gravitated towards places of significance in Wolverine's life. We travel to Logan's childhood home in Canada. Eokigo uh, I can't pronounce that. Eokigahara Forest in Japan and uh, Madripoor uh, uh, eliminating each of the clones with the Hulk's help. So here's my thing with this issue. Wolverine teams up with the Hulk. So first Wolverine takes a motorcycle trip from Washington DC to somewhere in Canada. Presumably that's all when all of the weapons of vengeance happens, is that road trip. (laughs) (laughs) He goes on a bike to Canada, meets the Hulk, like has one fight, meets Bruce Banner, and then they both get on a plane, fly nine hours to Japan. I looked up what the distance is from Canada to Japan, because I was like, is that maybe it's like on the on the sides of the map usually, so maybe it's like that way around it's shorter but it's still like a nine hour plane trip that these two big guys are like they they don't even fit in like economic class um they fly to japan have another fight then they i guess fly to madripoor and then they do another whole thing like why is all of this in like, why, why did why the fuck did they even need to go to Japan? Like, it's you don't need four locations with a fight. 
within one issue. When the Madripoor one is the only one that's, like, interesting. I, I kind of liked it. I, like... Ultimately, like, it's it, it's Wolverine, like... The, 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 it's kind of just here to have fights in locations, you know? So, in, in, in some ways, I respect just, like, really getting <laughs> down to, like, the basics of what the comic is, which is like, hey... We're just gonna go to four locations and have four fights. Done. Yeah, the um, basics of Wolverine, a guy who cuts up other guys. Yeah, he's he's a cool guy who goes to cool places and has cool fights. Like this jump from the other thing about this comic is that it's a it's an ad for uh for Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, Incredible Holocron, which is very good and everyone should read. Uh, it's a pretty good ad for it. Like quite often, yeah. like um, how co- comics will like cross over, and it'll just be like they pop up for one panel to like, like like the gods teasers where they like pop up and yeah. they're like, "Hey, we work for the old gods, Jonathan Hickman gods." Find out more, etc. But in this, like. One, the Hulk is a really relevant character to have with Wolverine, um, because th- their deals are pretty similar, especially in terms of their like internal struggles. Yeah, um, and he first showed up in a Hulk comic. Yeah, they'll always be linked because of that. I mean, that's the monster they fight in the first yes. scene in this um, is based on that comic. Yeah. And it's a trope they should stop using, and that's pretty much yeah. all I'm gonna say I about mean, that bit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we gotta stop doing Alpha Flight stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> so much of the most cursed, like most problematic stuff is like related to Alpha Flight. Like this this character also showed up like again in the this monster also showed up in the Uncanny Run where like which was like the second Alpha Flight appearance and then they fought him again um and you posted something nick you posted something about like a later moment where there was again something really bad like within an alpha flight appearance this character is based on an algonquin myth um or well some people do believe in this and practice this religion still to this day so i probably shouldn't even say the word myth but um this word, like, means something to them that it doesn't mean when it's used as a monster of the week, like, scary cannibal monster. Mm. Um, and I was trying to read about that this week, but I was having trouble finding some reliable sources. So if you do have more information and you or a perspective on this and you want it to be read or to come on, feel free to shoot us an email at hatedxbeard at gmail.com. That's not me trying to pimp the email. That's just me being like, I think this is beyond our scope, yeah. you know, um, and we've we're gonna hit this scope thing like a bunch of times in the future, so we might as well get used to talking about them. And I'm mostly saying that second part for my own sake. Um, yeah, Marvel should stop doing this fucking trope. They should yeah. stop using this character. Um, but the embarrassing thing is that within the Marvel lore, if once turned into this creature, if you cross over from the Canadian to the U.S. border, you just turn back to a person, and it's like, what What the fuck? <laughs> this is why I'm saying, like, Alpha Flight stuff is so stupid, like... <laughs> it's... Okay, um, 
Maybe South Park was right about Canada. <laughs> the, I this is this is the most jarring like location jump to me. Like I alluded to it, but it's like he's drinking with the hog, and then he's like jumping off a track, and they're in Japan. Like I think, yeah. <laughs> I think the portals disappearing makes makes travel stuff so jarring, and at the same time, like. Don't they like in in a post nine eleven world? You gotta assume that Orcus is also doing like some airport security, like looking for like not letting mutants through or something. Yeah. Also, uh, like as Wolverine's bones set off the metal detectors in airports. So. <laughs> um. Right. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Do we know if nine eleven happened in the Marvel universe? <laughs> It did. It did. Nine Eleven is canonical in the Marvel universe. Sorry, um, that the, there is a like Nine Eleven like memorial comic that's like Captain America and Spider Man like <laughs> saying like never forget while looking at the New York skyline kind of thing. Like fantastic. It's 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 canonical as much as that comic is canonical. Canonical. I mean, as if it's just like removing the twin towers from the New York skyline, which probably happened anyway. It is interesting that there's a different Earth, like it is Earth six one six, but the same like terrorist attack happens there as well. Um, but they have terraformed Mars and shit. Yeah, well, and I think like literally a couple months later, like Magneto, uh corners off all of Manhattan and, like, allows a bunch of mutant children. He's hooked on drugs to kill large swaths of New Yorkers. Is that the Morrison and run he just, where he's turned evil That's again? the Morrison run, yeah. It's the end of it. Great stuff. And uh, I think it was coming out in 2001. Yeah. Like, it was... People, people, I in like a Cerebro episode. I think they were like, "How was he allowed to do that?" <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, I guess that shit is like that? planned, like way ahead. Like that's an unfortunate coincidence. Yeah. Uh, where, yeah, I mean, it is a bit weird that there's a bunch of like mutant terrorist events happening. Like putting that side by side with, uh, with real, uh, real genocides or real like. Uh, traumatizing events is a bit it's whatever um, I I do like I was gonna say this about when we talked about the Hulk stuff is that I, I do I do appreciate that you kind of get that okay in this current run uh, this is about how Bruce and the Hulk are like really on bad terms with each other and also they have long hair like those are the two like main things that you, you're like reading this and you're like oh interesting maybe I will check that out <laughs> I did like the last chunk of it the stuff with uh, Salam or Salam yes yeah um uh, uh, I've lost my train of thought continue I found oh, it again. that was the only thing it I had the the data pages so the, the, the like trips to different countries are, are broken up by these data pages from Jeff Bannister uh, and at the top it reads dark web encrypted message <laughs> which 
much. Yeah. I just I always love when like in in any cultural thing when it's like how do how do we show that this is like secret and underground? It's like it's the dark web. You go on darkweb.com, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's especially cuz like in in mutant lore there was also a dark event, dark web happening. Like that was called dark web. Not too long ago. <laughs> yes. Like, this was a very recent thing. The current, like, Dark X-Men is, like, spinning right out of that. No pun intended. <laughs> um, I like, I like that Wolverine and the Hulk's plan to get to the, like, secret cult in the forest is just to get caught. Because <laughs> they can yeah. both survive being essentially killed. <laughs> Yeah, and the Hulk is really mad because the the Hulk hates uh he hates Banner and he hates when the people like force him to come out and Banner also doesn't want the Hulk to come out. So it's kind of a dick move from Logan. It's, yeah, especially like in the in the Madripoor bit, like Bruce explicitly is like, please don't yeah. let the Hulk out. Like, it's getting harder and harder to transform back into myself. I hate it. He hates it. We hate each other. Please don't <laughs> do this. And Logan's like, damn, guess I have no choice. <laughs> uh, and it's always, always good to see Solemn. That, 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 that. He's a, he's a, he, you know, he's a fun, he's a fun, like, pervert villain. You know, yep. he's kind of a fucked yeah, up guy I guess... who doesn't care. Um, he's Wolverine's boyfriend. Yeah, but he's dating on the side when he's not with Cyclops and Jean, who are both busy right now. So or dead, <laughs> or dead. <laughs> that counts as being busy in this universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we see on the the preview for the next cover that he's going to be fighting with Captain America, so it seems like, because this is part one of Last Mutant Standing, it seems like this might just be um, a series where Wolverine is trying to reach new readers, people that are reading whatever Captain America is up to, whatever I don't the Hulk think, is up to. I feel like Maybe, Wolverine or in reverse, is, I, I don't know. I think it's probably the other way around, because I think Wolverine I think it's the is, other way around. Read yeah, more that than makes any sense. other of those. Captain America just started a new run where yeah, they just finished JMS the big event, came right? back for whatever reason to write for Marvel. Um, yeah, yeah. This is. I mean, this is a fun Wolverine issue. I I really like the narration in this. Like it, it's it's doing most like a good chunk of the job of like telling you everything that happens. Yeah. Um, but it's it's in Wolverine's voice and like it it provides like just enough context for every fight scene to be like Wolverine is having more thoughts than just I'm gonna kill a guy. He's also thinking about his internal conflicts and yeah, whether he's ben the real Percy monster. Is, uh, he's decent at characterizing Wolverine or at writing him. I think the actual comic is like often mid, but it's got a good, it's got a good character voice. I wanted to check out the Wolverine versus Predator um, issue that he did, uh, but I didn't get around to it. Oh, I have that. I haven't read it yet. 
maybe we'll talk about it like another time if there's gonna be a part two so if if it's worth reading we just yeah. talk about it when the whole thing wraps up yeah that's that's all my thoughts on Wolverine um, pretty good but also just not very much I do like the I like whenever he does the patch persona like, I just think it's very funny that putting on an eye patch and nobody yeah. knows who he is like <laughs> puts yes, on an eye patch in a suit and everyone's like damn who's this guy <laughs> and everyone in Madripoor is like that's fucking terrifying it's <laughs> <laughs> the scariest shit I've ever seen <laughs> Wolverine just has like he has a haircut that like nobody has like a haircut and like sideburns that like nobody has ever had like that like it's just not something you encounter in yeah, the only other time you see it is when Rain is in her wolf form, and then she also has it. Yeah. That's that's how you know he's wolf-like, is the hair. Yeah. I mean, is a wolverine even, like... No, it's not. It's not related to wolves, right? It's not related to wolves at all. It's not, but they try, like, some writers try to relate it to wolves, like, all the time. Like, that's why his real last name is Howlett. Um... Which they mentioned very quickly in this issue. They went real hard on the wolf thing in, like, Wolverine Origins or whatever that series was. Well, I think it was also, like, a a Chuck Austin thing where he was trying to, like, group the mutants into subgroups and have, like, a a race war amongst the mutants, which I'm glad that never actually turned into anything. (laughs) I'm sure that would have been great to read. Yeah, in uh, in 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 Hungary, there was a huge. This was a huge, um, well, not really controversy, but it's like in in the comics and in the cartoon, uh, he was Wolverine was translated into Rojomak, which is the name of the animal of Wolverine. And then when the movies came out with Hugh Jackman, his name was Farkash, which just means wolf. Oh, so oh. all the all the real ones were like, no, I'm never gonna call him that. <laughs> <laughs> Alpha Flight number two. Alpha Flight deal with the restlessness of mutants waiting in Krakoa North and talk to Zandra about plans to bring them to Shi'ar space. Something's up with Nemesis. Feedback is discovered in the diner, and when Alpha Flight is told to leave him alone, the mutants instead arrive and begin to fight the box sentinels. I mean, I think this issue just really hammers home what a non-threat sentinels but small are. <laughs> I just can't take True. this seriously. Um, the, the art's good. Scott, Scott Godlewski as the artist. Good, 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 good art. clean art. Who did the cover, though? Kirk Delgado? Or is that his full name? Kirk 2023 is the signature on it. And then it says... Delgado. No, Delgado is the writer, right? The cover mm. artist is uh, Leonard Kirk and Edgar Delgado. Um, I've just okay. I've just noticed Fang's pose on the yeah. cover. Fang looks real bad on the cover, <laughs> is what I was about to say. <laughs> what the hell? I have not noticed this. It's it's one of those covers where, like, if you look at the whole picture, it looks pretty good, but then when you go into individual details here and there, it's like, this is a bit of a mess. Like, Fang doesn't look great. He's sort of doing, like, the, the, the 
sexy female superhero pose. But like upside down. Yeah. He's like ass up. Yeah. He's, He's falling ass, ass up, up he... and his his legs are fully spread. Yeah. He has no like... ass in this either. That's Yeah, and kind of an angle that doesn't like his 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 legs shouldn't be able to like split so much. Well his legs end up looking like his arms because of right. like the um tangent that Aurora's cape is is pulling over it. Like he's mm-hmm. trying to trying to draw the eye of the viewer there, but it ends up just drawing your eye directly into his, his non-existent ass and his ass crack mm. there at the the back. Like, I think um, Aurora's face also looks a little funky it's weird on the because, cover there, and so does North Star's. It says the cover is Leonard Kirk and Edgar Delgado, and Leonard Kirk is the one who did Sabretooth. Um, oh, he's great. So he's good. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I guess I, it's one of those times where it feels like it's just a rushed cover, yeah, like yeah, more than fair. anything else. It like looks like all the the trappings of it's bad because it had to be done quickly to me. Yeah, it's not like a standard. I mean, I guess the it's, the best it's Alpha covers... Flight number two of the like eighth version of Alpha Flights. It's okay if the cover is kind of yeah. bad. <laughs> no, what I was gonna say, like usually the best covers Marvel has are shit like. The ones Alex Ross paints for uh, yeah, Alex for Ross covers for like shit. Like this is an artist who only does covers, right? So they yeah. have time to um, um Peach Momoko. That. Yes. Uh, who does the little the Scott Scott something? He does them like as Calvin oh, and Hobbes Scott, characters. Scotty Young. Yeah, Scotty Young. Yeah, Scotty I Young got the Scotty great. Young uh, Predator versus Wolverine. Mark cover. Brooks does the Immortal X Men ones, which are also uh, really great. Yeah, uh, and whenever Phil Noto gets to do a cover, it's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but he's just very good. And they get Jamie McKelvey for covers every now and then. Anyway, yeah, there's just nothing that happens in this one. I don't know. I I think that the Shi'ar are cowards. Um. For, for not interfering in Earth politics. I understand it would just, like, end the story if they did. <laughs> but, like, they're like, sorry, we did an imperialism, and we think that, like, savings an oppressed group might be more imperialism, so... Yeah. I don't think they actually, like, really care. Like, beyond um, Xavier's daughter and a few other Shi'ar people on like an individual level them as a society they don't give a shit about the mutants other than what they can use them as resources yeah but she also she's got to think about optics for her community you know and i think this is her thinking about optics here like she is not being a good person in the forefront it's just whenever someone's like called the like empress of some way even if like canonically they're a democracy or whatever i'm just like you have like absolute power over your people <laughs> um go do something fun with it you know uh, <laughs> i just want to say uh, guardian like captain maple leaf or whatever his uh vindicator uh whatever his name is super cancelled like his plan sucks shit <laughs> he's like okay so let's hack into the uh box sentinels because then we oh, find yeah uh, we know the locations for all the mutants, and we let the box sentinels like kill the evil mutants or the ones that the ones that we don't want to save and prioritize the other ones. 
And then, you know. Yeah, it's a bad plan. Thankfully, North Star is like, what the fuck? <laughs> Krakoa is for all. That's kind of our thing. There's no, like, worthy targets for the Sentinels. But it's it's just a hard sell for the guy who is supposed to be the head of this team. Like, the one who represent who, ha- who is the Canadian flag. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of um, the the Wheezy uh, X-Factor issues I've been reading, like, especially towards the beginning of when Wheezy picks up the run, because X-Factor are, like, their cover story for the public is that they're mutant hunters, and everyone reading and half the characters in the book are like, hey, this is a bad idea. Hey, we're just stoking fear um, against ourselves here. Hey, this is a bad idea before... Uh, finally we see why it's a bad idea in the book and um i'm hoping we get some of that here because i don't think their plan to bring people to the shiar is a good idea either like i know it's it's quote unquote safe for these mutants but i just don't know if like constant displacement and replacement of groups is is a appropriate solution to the future Mm -hmm. my like main critique of like how the story is being told i guess is that i think um argent and feedback's parallel story is kind of confusing to tell who's who yeah sometimes when it's going on like i I got that mixed up i'm more interested i think in what's going on with argent than with with feedback and i think feedback is getting a little bit more page right now which is fine um but I I think it would be the reluctant soldier story is more interesting to me than the beta flight character on the run. Is it Argent or Argent? Oh, it might be Argent. <laughs> it means I, money like, in I French. Don't know. I'm... <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, the, probably the other one. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it somewhat feels like this issue ends in the same place it started. It doesn't feel like much changes. Yeah, I think we're seeing the problem with constant miniseries right now in our our podcast. The general theme as a whole is like, hey, maybe we shouldn't need to have a second issue all the time. (laughs) Yeah, all the second, like, I feel like, with the exception of Children of the Vault, like, all the second issues have been a mess. And I think if, like, we were able to actually get some ongoing series that were maybe more than five issues, four issues, like, more regularly, we could actually do some some more legitimate storytelling in, in every issue. Like, there would be more filler stuff, but it would feel more earned, I think. I don't get what the rush like, is. Than just, like, slowly doing setup here. We talked about all these, and all the stuff announced for January sounds really cool, but I think I, think I would really have preferred just to have, like, a longer fall of X where we can like you know where not not everything feels like super rushed like it's it's almost like they saw like I don't know who they is in this situation someone at Marvel saw um like the reaction to people online like coming where people are just like oh this is stupid that they're doing a, a another apocalypse style event for the mutants, and was trying to head it off by being like, we'll only do it for five weeks. Yeah. But I don't know, I don't care about those fans' opinions, so <laughs> I want <laughs> I want it <Yeah>. my way. <laughs> yeah, and like, people are jumping off the Xbox, so maybe they're trying to, like, 
tie it up real quick, but like, I don't know, I, I've heard this point made that this Krakow era has already lasted longer than all of Marvel now, or all of the new 52 over at DC. So it's like, it's just a natural cycle of things that with the new status quo, new people are gonna jump on it, and then it's gonna like peter out towards the end. Like, it's not it's not an excuse to not tell the story properly. <laughs> if you look at just books that have come out, right? Yeah. It seems like there's probably a comparable amount to the entire time that Claremont was on the X-Men right. before he was fired now for the Kirkoan Age. If not more books, because there's way more series going on. There's way mm. more events, you know? Back then, like at the beginning of his stuff, you would get some mini-series, and then towards the end, you have like four or five books going on but it's not like we are starved for x-men stuff in any ways it's just like i wish the cycle wasn't so rapid it kind of eats itself in a way that i don't really enjoy you know i wish we could slow down in terms of who's on the book like both creatively and the characters but also like somehow the storytelling ends up being slow in some of these cases because we're constantly jumping and re-explaining and re-explaining what's going on, and I, I'm i kind of exhausted by it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. like, this week was maybe the first, and maybe it's because I've been, like, dipping into DC stuff, I've been still reading Mind Management, uh, but this was the first week where I was, like, when the new comics are going up, I was, like, not in a rush at all to, like, read them. <laughs> Um, bring bring back some giant size issues. Just just like one one big yeah. issue for some of these mini series. Alpha Flight would have been perfect. Like that's that's all. We or need. do a graphic novel. Yeah, you know. Do... <laughs> I mean, a, a, an Alpha Flight graphic novel is a really hard sell. <laughs> yeah, I don't absolutely. Think actually, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, why do Alpha Flights in the first place? Like, who? Who was there asking for a Guardian and Puck and Snowbird and Shaman story? Yeah, it kind of feels like someone in the office was like, well, Fang and Aurora are really popular right now. Can we get a whole book based around their deal? Um, And Alpha Flight came up. But it's like, this book isn't about them. This book is about... Guardian and Puck mostly. Like I, I think that's also kind of the problem with maybe the the story is they don't have like as much of a guiding voice amongst the ensemble cast. Like it's hard to get it's hard to get into like who each of these characters are for an ensemble cast this quickly. I I feel like I'm repeating None though, of them like, have my like complaints. Any voice. Like who is Shaman does a healing. <laughs> He's a doctor. Like, okay. Snowbird can turn into a bird. That's pretty cool, but like... I haven't really learned anything about these characters' traits aside from Argent. Yeah. Who who goes out there... Like, imagine a... casual to, like... maybe, like, mid-level invested comic fan who likes the X-Men, like, who goes into a comic store and picks up Alpha Flight? 
Like, unless yeah. they are like, I'm going to read every X comic. But like, at one <laughs> point, you're like, if you're like going into comic stores, right? You're going to be like, okay, I'm going to buy Immortal X-Men. Dark X-Men sounds interesting because that has X-Men in the title. Um, and I recognize characters of it. Okay, Children of the Vault has Cable on it, who is popular. Yeah, Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight. <laughs> who is Alpha Flight for? I guess, like, it's diehard fans, like... Are Canadians just... really into Alpha Flight? <laughs> I don't... I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> They're Canada's premier superhero team. They must That's be. gotta count They something. must be. <laughs> I mean, it's like... But there's a ton of great writers out of Canada. Like, uh, we... We touched upon this in an earlier issue, like... Ryan North, Chip Zdarsky, Jeff Lemire, like, there's, there's, a ho- there's a good amount of, like, good Canadian writers, so I don't think they, like, need the Marvels, like, <laughs> kind of... I just feel like if I were Canadian, I'd be insulted by Alpha Flight being that team. <laughs> yeah. Um... I think that's all I have to say on Alpha Flight yeah. number two. <laughs> Yeah, I liked a couple small moments I want to shout out. I liked when Aurora is talking to the two kids that want to leave the building, and they're like, she. It it goes along with the whole hated and feared thing, where she's like, you can't leave this building at all, which is definitely something that's difficult and traumatic for a child to go through. And I felt like that moment hit harder than most of the other moments in this book. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I like the Argent in the um, Med Bay scene. A bit because I'm interested in where he's going as like a reluctant hero and I thought it was funny that the last line in the book is like I think Fang's only line in the whole book which is fine but he, he's like your mistake is is thinking oh your crime is thinking that we were gonna let you harm one of us and it's like you're the new guy here you're the new <laughs> alpha flight guy though you just joined uh, maybe of, have Northstar kind of say that one. <laughs> I just have one more thing to say about Alpha Flight. Fire away. <laughs> out of all the additions to the X-Men lore during the Krakoa Age, Box Sentinels are the absolute worst. You <laughs> <laughs> cannot get behind the idea of big robots but small. I, I honestly, when the box animals were introduced, when we're reading issue one, and they go, big sentinels but small, I was like, wow, that's really smart. Why had no one thought of that before? <laughs> and then we see it in practice, I'm like, oh, maybe that's why no one's done it before. <laughs> yeah. But they just kind of get owned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that regular sentinels don't also. <laughs> yeah, true. Um... Uncanny Avengers, issue two. We pick up right after the last issue's final page, with Captain Krakoa breaking Captain America's arm. Black Widow pops up to save Captain America. The rest of the Unity squad attempts to stop the mutant liberation front from stealing a nuke, and fails. Later, back at the Unity squad's home base, the team argues about whether Captain America should be the one leading the squad. On the Orcus base station, The Bloom, Dr. Stasis and Modoc discuss the actions of Captain Krakoa, who, as it turns out, was not told to steal a nuke. At the Mutant Liberation Front's base, Captain Krakoa reveals his identity to Andreas in the shower. 
Meanwhile, Captain America talks to Ben Urich, who hints that there were, in fact, human survivors of the Hellfire Gala. Uh, we then see that the stolen nuke has been placed at an Orcus-sponsored science fair at Empire State University. Um, Captain Krakoa starts this off by being, like, almost directly saying, like, make America great again. Mm-hmm. And then gets shot. It's, we're back in Jerry Duggan Corner, also, by the way. Yes. So, like, Orcus is, like, very, very directly, like, fascist bigots. That's, that's them. Uh, I really enjoy, uh, a lot of the facial expressions in this issue. There's a lot of fun facial expressions. Yeah, we've been we talked a lot about the art for the first issue. It's the same artist again, Javier Garo. Once once again, great. Like just really dynamic. Oh yeah, the art in this is stellar. Like all the all the fights are like really kinetic. Um, a lot of Nazis getting punched in the face. Like I like Black Widow using coming out of nowhere. From the, from the get-go, which is maybe how she should be used. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> her using two Orcus bodies to support her, like, sniper rifle. <laughs> it's, it's a very, like, cool action movie moment, and it, like, it really... It, the, the art's great for it. Is she even in... Is Black Widow even in anything currently? Like, I know she's not on The Avengers. I know there's a White Widow series that's either just started or about to start, and other like than that, I have no clue. Florence Pugh. Yeah, right? That's, yes, yeah. I believe it's her character. Yeah, it's the sister. Yeah, I, I I didn't see that movie, so I wasn't sure if it was a sister or cousin or niece. Or... She's also in the Hawkeye TV show, if, you, I also not if you're wondering. <laughs> She's a lot more fun in the Hawkeye TV show. I mean, yeah, I, heard that one I love Florence Pugh. Like, I've got a big that. crush on her, so I can't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> like, watching her on the screen, I turned into, like, it's just, did, I turned dumb. Did you see Oppenheimer? I did see Oppenheimer, <laughs> did yeah. Did you like her in that? Um, <laughs> mixed feelings. I liked Oppenheimer. It was a great I just, movie. Also, he it just... fucking stressed me out. Yeah. He is... Christopher Nolan is, like, one of the, like, biggest offenders of, like, has never met a woman. <laughs> it's it's wild to, like, let's do another movie changer for a second, but Christopher Nolan coming off of what may have been his worst movie with Tenet. Yeah. And then immediately making Oppenheimer, which is a masterwork. It's like, I don't, I'm not gonna, best. like, rank it versus his other shit, but, like, it is... It shows he's a master of the craft. I got it. By far, I gotta check you know. Out Oppenheimer. It sounds like you have to lay a big stinky egg first, so you can uh, come out on the other side. Blob redemption hints. He he doesn't yeah, want to fight is... Manet. Of course, I I said this with the first issue. Bob is gonna Blob is gonna get redeemed in this. Oh yeah! Once, once, once he and presumably we find out who Captain Krakoa is, mm-hmm. but Blob's Blob's going sicko mode on him. Blob's gonna do the right thing. Once Blob finally takes his shower and Captain Krakoa walks in there on him to join him, <laughs> it's gonna be a whole different vibe. Yeah, you get the guy fucking killing himself in a Marvel comic here. What? Oh shit! There's this guy yeah. who bites a cyanide. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. God, I <laughs> I forgot about that, and then I turned the page back to it. And it is it is really like <laughs> it's brutal. This is a this is a weird one in terms of tone. You get some of the like Deadpool and Quicksilver like haha jokes and stuff, and like fascist speeches and people killing themselves and like implied incest and shower sex. It's mm-hmm. like it's all over the place. It's yeah, not, it's not. It doesn't not work. It feels one age rating higher than Marvel comics usually do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, is there a rating on this one? Sometimes they have something on the cover, but I guess not on these It's digital... rated T+. Plus. Okay, thank you. Well, I wouldn't uh, give I think... this to a teen. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I don't know any teens. I guess my sister. My sister is 17. The other one is nineteen, so they they're barely in that. They count. Uh, Those I are don't two want teens. to You're... explain the um, the Fenris twins to them. So. Yeah, no. Oh, I have like six siblings, and I haven't told a single one of them about this podcast. I'm just like, you don't. You're not interested. You're good. <laughs> uh, on the the page where Captain America's trying out his like robot skinned arm to fix his broken arm where he just catches it the like goofy little smile he has at the top of the page is so delightful to me I like the idea that there's nothing inside of um of Bucky's arms that they're just hollow and that anyone could wear them if they needed to like that's not what they're saying here they're saying they use like part of it but I just think that if that becomes the lore that would be very funny to me (laughs) Um, I also really like Quicksilver getting interrupted by Monet and like running past her and like looking offended that she's interrupted him. Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, that's a that's a really good face there. Really good art. Really good expressions. Yeah, I also continue to love their streetwear, like Cap and his uh, his jeans that oh, are yeah. rolled up. Yeah. He's the most uh, like what a perfectly circular thing on his in his backpack. Like this is this is the least incognito man. It's, yeah, he's carrying. He should be symbols. wearing like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles branded <laughs> backpack, and then no one will question the shape of it. I'll be like, oh, it's just a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. That's <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> a large, like really, really like inhumanly like fit uh and like you know well in shape teenage mutant but then all of his clothes are teenage mutant ninja turtle shit so he's really (laughs) committed to the bit i love his like ankle socks or like whatever or is it completely sockless i don't know but he has like ankles out yeah ankle showing um uh, I, I like Deadpool using his jester's privilege on the mutants to, like, d- dunk on them and be like, Captain America's actually a pretty good guy to, to lead a team, even if he gets murdered. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings about that speech, because he's right, but I don't want him to be right. <laughs> it's, um, again, this is my bias for, like, Jerry Duggan's Deadpool, like... In the Deadpool series that Jerry Duggan wrote, like, one, once an arc, I'd say, 
Deadpool gets to do like a, a a sort of from the heart speech like this, where it's like he he starts it off with a joke and then uses it to make what is a serious or astute point to someone or like emotionally true kind of thing, uh, and like it, it works for me. It's it's a it's something I like, and I like how Jerry Duggan writes it. I think he is. His Deadpool is way better than Benjamin Percy's, I think. Like, uh, that got, like, when he first showed up in Wolverine, like, back in, like, Reign of X, uh, that was a real cringe fest. So, like, this is a lot better. Yeah, I, the reason the speech doesn't hit, I think, for me, is I feel like Steve Rogers, the character, is always going to be rubbing up against, like, what does Captain America mean as, like, an idea versus, like, the individual? And I feel like Deadpool is really referring to Steve Rogers as an individual here who, like, perseveres and fights for what's right. And I guess it's just me having personal issues with, like, how I'm looking at America right now and the American project and that, like, leading into how I'm reading this this character that essentially has nothing to do with my own thoughts and feelings. <laughs> I think I think that's right. I think that's a good way to read it, especially because like Deadpool clearly does believe in Captain America. Like he you know, he, he followed the bad Captain America even. So I feel like that reading makes a lot of sense. I think there is um, a bit where, like, the mutants are right to a certain degree. Like, Captain America is getting in the way of their messaging, but he's also, like, the right person to be leading the team because he's going to get them to the right place. It's just a matter of, like, is that helping right now? And, like, the only other influence we have about within this book about, like, how they're able to perceive what's going on is, like, when they're talking to Blob. So they're basing, like, this whole thing, essentially, within the specifics of the narrative on, like, what Blob has told them, which is very interesting and kind of funny to me. I'm excited for Blob to get his ninth redemption arc, because I like when he's good more than when he's bad. Blob being a chill guy and being a chill bartender dude, like, highlight of Blob. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think my issue with his, like, uh arc him doing the redemption arc again is just like an issue i have at large with comics oh yeah um that we just repeat the dance yeah you know we're singing the hits yeah and that's there's a a time and a space for that and that's great but blob is too far you've gone too far (laughs) by attacking blob (laughs) with this no i'm kidding uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, if there's any level of, like, nuance to it, because I think Duggan has that in him, um, and m- maybe this'll inspire writers to do something else with Blob in the future. <laughs> um, uh, moving away from nuance, Modok and Dr. Stasis's conversation is really good to me. It's really funny. Oh, yeah, Dr. Stasis being like, why won't anyone listen to me? <laughs> This artist is just the best person to draw Modok at this point. Like, absolutely, I, I, I want him to, I want to draw him. Like, I want him to draw him like all the time. Like, there's both of these. Both of these faces are just delightful here. Yeah, his like his skin is cracking and his eyes are beyond bloodshot. Like, there's like a risk you take when you're doing like a, a horror character like Modok, where you're gonna insult. 
people with actual disability, and then there's a version where you could take it so far yeah. that it goes way beyond human, which Modok is already a good start at because he's a giant fucking head. But these he's actually like kind of scary and unsettling here, where most of the time he's just you know Pat Oswald cartoon Modok. Mm. Uh, Javier Garon is amazing at faces and facial expressions, and Modok is one giant face. I lo- I love. The, the face he does when he's doing like his, his evil laugh and then just saying omelettes and eggs and so forth. <laughs> That's a good yeah, line. like, if something bad's gonna happen, we should let it happen. Like, I know you don't want this nuke out there, but it'd be pretty cool if he set off that nuke, is it? Would it be? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the end of the world if Captain Krakoa nuked an American city, comma, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Perhaps we don't need Cincinnati. <laughs> it's really good. It's not a bad scene that comes later when we get... <sighs> I just don't like thinking about the Fenris twins. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I think you're going to get what, what mileage you can yeah. out of the, the, the love triangle that's going on here between uh, Andrea, Dr. or Captain Krakoa, Dr. Captain Krakoa, and um and her brother andrea because it's like like do you think it's funny yes i absolutely think it's funny funny. but am i also a little uncomfortable to see it yes i am also a little uncomfortable to see it (laughs) yeah it's also it's always it's always treading that line and i guess it's i don't know i like that there are two silhouettes in the shower when you're seeing like andrea's cucked face kind of merge into this like hyper thick human being Uh Oh, uh, if you like look at it too long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, I, facial expression game from I think from it's, uh, it's so good. I mean, it. I hate to see it, but it's also like a very good choice to have them do the most like disgusting like tongue kiss close up. I think I've come down to the fact that like it, it leans into the fact that it's like gross and weird, and you know that's where a lot of the humor from for for it comes and. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 funny and uncomfortable, but it has to be uncomfortable to be funny. So like Yeah, exactly. Where else are we gonna be, you know? And the the Andreas cockface is just so good. Um and then the last like few pages of the book are another check in with Ben Urich. He is talking to Captain America. Captain America's trying to like they're discussing what it would take for him to report on this. Um and Yurik says that he knows a human who's still alive. It's gonna be Kingpin, probably. Like, Kingpin's probably gonna be in this comic. Because they immediately before that are like, oh, he, you helped me take down the Kingpin. Oh, there's a human that survived the, um, mm-hmm. the mutant massacre. And uh, that's Kingpin. Uh, so it could be someone else, but I think it's gonna be Kingpin. <laughs> there's a great panel here where, like, uh, Ben Urich's glasses reflect Captain America's face back. Uh, he's like this, this, this comic, and like I don't know if it's if it's the art or the writing, but it's just like it's trying to sell us on Ben Urich being just like the coolest motherfucker who's ever lived. <laughs> The coolest thing you can be as a writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Writes the writer. Also, this is this is probably me just reading the art wrong, but like the panel below that looks like when Steve says interesting, I'll do some digging. Look 
I, I fully thought he just jumped off the roof. <laughs> I think he does. Yeah. I think you're reading it right, oh, yeah. Okay. Can he survive that? It looks like they're on a skyscraper. <laughs> he's just making a dramatic exit. Yeah, maybe he's just leaping to, like, a slightly lower floor. It's a very, like, Batman and, like, It's Gordon so Batman. Scene. It's, it's the in the very Spider-Man as pose well. he has, too, yeah. yeah. And then we also see uh, that the nuke they stole is at a science fair at uh, at State University, right? Yeah. Empire State University, not State University. Those are different Marvel colleges. <laughs> Let's make sure we get the colleges clear. Yes. This is not State University. This is Empire State University. <laughs> to me, we don't need that last page, you know? Like... It kind of, all it's saying is just like, they've put a nuke somewhere, and it's like, mm -hmm. I, I did think they were going to put the nuke somewhere. Likely thing for, for, for a supervillain group to do is use Wait, the is nuke to blow the... something up. Is that the school where Ms. Marvel is at, or is it not? Yes, that's okay. the school where yeah. she's at right now. Uh, maybe we'll get some where, crossover. Where State University is where Reed Richards went to college. <laughs> Oh, so Doctor Doom also. Doctor Doom also, yeah. Um, I was just reading the uh, Hickman uh, Fantastic Four this yeah. morning. That's the only yeah, reason I, it's I, in my I, head. I remember that issue. That's a, that's a good one. It's I I love the idea of there just being this like guy named Von Doom, and he's always like talking about like Ayn Randy and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's just my roommate, Doctor Doom. <laughs> well, he's not yet a doctor, I think. Oh, good point. I was gonna say Uncanny Avengers two, uh, another one of the mid ones, but I like for me the art's too good for me to say this is mid. This is this yeah. is above average for me. This is like this is a good book. Like it's it's competent. It's well written. The art is fantastic. Like, this is one that I would like, you know, as you were saying, with like, who, who goes in and like picks up Alpha Flight? Like, I think I'd go in and pick up Uncanny Avengers. I'd be like, oh, cool, Captain America and Rogue on the cover. Yeah, this one's Captain America and Rogue on the cover. And, yeah, uh, two very recognizable characters. Then you flick through and you see like one of those facial expressions. I feel like you, you <laughs> want to see more of them. Yeah, and uh, the preview for the next cover is is Deadpool with Rogue in the background screaming as the, the Fenris twins are blasting Deadpool, which I think, I think they've already done. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, think they've, they've already blasted that Deadpool <laughs> through the chest. <laughs> it's just like a dramatic moment we know doesn't really matter. <laughs> Good cover, though. But that's chill. I'm down for that. Um, no, I I thought this issue, of the issues this week, my favorite was for sure Uncanny Spider-Man, because, like, how could it not be? I think both Uncanny Avengers and Dark X-Men. I, I yeah, think Uncanny Avengers like, I... is my favorite over the Spider-Man one. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just, uh, it's, I'm, I'm just ever so slightly less sold on Uncanny Spider-Man and, like, I really, really like the art in Uncanny Avengers too. Like looking through it again it's for really this, good. like reminded me just how much I enjoy seeing Javier Garon's facial expression work. Um, yeah, this is a good one to like flip through like page by page and look at all of them. Like because like when I first read it, it's like 
goes by quickly but uh but like both both with the first issue with the second one you just get to appreciate like all the detail way more uh once we talk about it so yeah yeah and like there is like kind of an an inherent flaw to talking about like stories before they're finished but it is also the job of these writers to keep us interested until the end because that is that's the point of the nature of episodic yeah serialized content yeah, so like you know, we're we're right and wrong yeah, as well. I guess to, I'm like, saying <laughs> it's not like the Netflix shit where they dump all the episodes out at once, so you don't need to write like good cliffhangers or whatever. Like you do, gotta keep people on the hook. <laughs> I mean, if I were like a normal reader, I would probably keep on reading. Like I would keep on reading Uncanny Avengers. I would have dropped Alpha Flight. Um, I would have dropped. I like, think I'd Round be coming X, back I to Alpha Flight earlier. when it's done, but. Yeah. I would also I mean, just I might not... have dropped Wolverine. Oh, I would have dropped Wolverine. the last couple like, weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> I think having the Ghost Rider crossover in between gives you that, you know, I, th- this happened to me with the with the MCU actually is that um once Endgame happened, I was like, okay, that was whatever. That was fine. That was a fine movie. Um but now I don't really have a reason to, like, keep watching them. And then when the next, like, Spider-Man movie came out, I was like, I'm just gonna skip this one. And after you realize that skipping one doesn't hurt you at all, like, it actually, it actually <laughs> feels free. fine. That's, that's kind of how I felt with Wolverine. Like, after uh, after skipping out on it while the Ghost Rider crossover happened, I was like, I'm not really compelled to go back to it. And it was a fine issue in the end, but yeah. Dark X-Men 2, uh, written by Steve Fox and drawn by Jonas Scharf, with color by Frank Martin. This issue, we are told about this Goblin Queen's backstory and her capture by Orcus. The Goblin Queen is asked by the Orcus agents to bring Archangel back to life. Maddie does magic to heal Havoc. A data page reveals the Orcus agents specialize in cybernetics and magic, respectively. Narration also reveals the Goblin Queen was used as a test subject for Brightswell. Kroll, the cybernetic specialist, reveals he is spying on the Dark X-Men through the kidnapped Albert. Back with the Dark X-Men, we see that Zero is now wearing Albert. The Dark X-Men argue until Maddie summons them to her demon Cerebro, the Mercy Crown, which can locate the souls of mutants around the world and gives the Dark X-Men their next mission. Splitting the team, Maddie, Faint, Havoc, and Zero seek a mutant surrounded by mushrooms, while Azazel Gambit, Maggot, and M-Plate travel to the Morlock party boat, arriving moments after the revived Archangel cuts through the boat and many of the Morlocks. I think this was what one was my, like, big letdown, I guess, because I didn't really care about Alpha Flight in the first place that much, <laughs> and this one, I really liked the first issue, and the second issue was, like, fine, but, I don't know, I care way less, like, there's too much plot, and it's, like, all about, like, Orcus reviving a whole bunch of different, or, like, having a whole bunch of different mutants, and it's, like, I don't know. Okay, I guess I just don't care about Angel enough as a character in the first place. Like, in the first one, it seemed like the stakes were going to be, like, sort of, I, I guess, like, trying to rescue Archangel, or, like, whether the team yes. will, like, stick together for long enough to rescue any mutants. Because, uh, like, their first rescue attempt ends with, like, one of them dead and Havoc stabbed in the throat. 
Um, and like this one doesn't kind of like match that stakes again. It's sort of like mostly set up for the next issue, I guess. Which isn't a crime, but it's uh, the, the, the first one had a lot more energy to it, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, we get a lot of good character moments in here, and that's it's a bridge issue between this one and the next one, which is the problem we've run into for the last two weeks, and why we're not super excited about what's going on in the books. Um, but I, I like I like this team. I'm kind of excited about like I like Zero is super goofy. I like Zero a lot so far. I think Faint is cool. She changes her name from Gimmick this issue. And she has an outfit ready. I, this is like not a not a very interesting costume, but I guess that's fine. Yeah, her deal is she's like a fashion designer, and then she can also transform um, at will, like Mystique. Uh, it is just kind so of a she just suit, like for a fashion designer. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of, it's <laughs> not. It doesn't live up to the hype she's giving it. Yeah. Um. I think something that is that, that works very well, which doesn't always work well, especially in like these team books like uh, like Alpha Flight. This comic knows who the main characters are and who the side characters are in the Dark X Men. Oh, yeah. Havoc and Maddie and and Gambit, I'd say probably, and and Faint get invested in them, care about like what they're doing. They're people with like complex motives and thoughts and feelings and stuff and then it's like and, and like zero's here too he's being a goofy little guy he's wearing albert as a suit a zero's our comic relief maggot is our like moral compass um or at least posited as that within this specific issue um and then like emplate and azazel are are here to fuck around and find out it's a lot of fun especially when like you you do get that stuff. I think it works at its best when it's sort of like darkly funny. The fact that Maddie's like, I've healed Havoc with my magic and Havoc looks like, you know, in the Game of Thrones TV series when they like bring a guy back from the dead oh, yeah. with like the weird like necromancy Yeah, he shit. looks like a fucking zombie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how like, that's what happens to like Beric in the books that he just like gets like more and more lifeless as he goes and yeah in the show it's like john is just fine it's really funny because clearly like havoc and maddie are either unaware of this or intentionally ignoring it <laughs> but very clearly havoc looks like death that's good to me like he's also got like the shaky speech bubbles like mm. everything everything around it is like havoc is not okay and havoc's like you know what Maddie fixed me up pretty good, though. Can't <laughs> complain. <laughs> Have you met my wife? She can do anything. Yeah, it's... I mean, the, the the characterization of, like, Alex and Maddie and their relationship is very strong in this. Uh, I mean, first issue as well, and in this one. I just finished reading Inferno, too. And so, like, I am very much super excited about, like, these characters and ready to see them get, like, the next chapter in their story. So, like, even though it's fillery, like, I've been Mm -hmm. pushed through by, like, the other shit I've been reading. Oh, I think this is, like, this this is my favorite kind of filler stuff, you know? Like, it's really well-written character moments, as you said. My favorite, like, line, which, again, uh, 
feels like it there are many lines which feel like they encapsulate um alex and maddie's relationship but specifically it's uh followed her to hell and back after you're really committed to her her he's like yeah i followed her to hell and back or just to hell i guess and he seems unaware of like what he's (laughs) saying because like that's literally true of his situation but also metaphorically then he shows her her a fucking picture where he was still with Lorna and she was still in love with his brother and it's like it's just completely like I don't know it just like really illustrates like how fucked up their whole thing is yeah yeah Lorna is off being mind controlled at the time Alex thinks that uh, Cyclops has abandoned mutants has become a mutant hunter at this point in it, where they are in the photo, because that's in the basement of uh, the town they live in, in the Outback era. It's it's so good, though. Like, this really, like, adds or follows through with it in such a fun way. Like, it doesn't follow through with it by, them, by him, like, being like, in retrospect, I made some poor decisions back then, or whatever. Or Maddie being like, I really should apologize to, like, Alex or whoever for the way I treated them. They're just like, nah, this relationship, it's perfect, in my opinion. Despite, like, every sign. <laughs> One page I want to shout out is the Mercy Crown page, where we see, like, a little hint of what's happening in all of the books, and, yeah. like, the mushroom girl in the center. That page is gorgeous. It's, it's amazing. It is gorgeous. Like, there's so much, like, fun stuff being done with light and shadow in this book across the board, um, and the soft light they're using on this page really hits nice and hard. We've, we've got, like, Alpha Flight up in the top left, we've got Iceman, we've got what's going on in this week's Wolverine, uh, we've got everything, we've got a particularly haggard and gnarly looking Professor X at the bottom. I also enjoy Gambit in this issue, like, like Maggot's the voice of, like, moral reason. Gambit's the voice of, like, hey, I've Usually I'm the bad boy on the team, you know, I'm the, I'm the reckless bad boy on the team, but here he is just like, uh, maybe we should play this a little safer, Maddie. And she's like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> uh, we do things my way or you go home. And I said this from the first issue, like this has been a very good book for Gambit. Um, after I found him pretty boring in most of the, um, in most of the Krakoa run. Yeah, it it seemed like that entire run he was like about to get to his arc mm-hmm. where he would have like shit to do and then it never accumulated, unfortunately. <laughs> and so now it is it's good to see him used here as like more than just his power or more than just some funny shit to say. Or just Rogue's husband. Like Yeah, or just Rogue's husband. There was I don't know, I feel like I feel like they can't really break them up because everyone is gonna be so mad but like they're both better on their own than together I mean I just want them to be able to come home at the end of the day to each other they don't need to be in the same book on the same page all the time I think that's that's like kind of the failing of couples in comics is like they don't keep them independent enough as characters a lot of the time and but here Callisto, yeah! I love seeing Callisto. <laughs> I, I think she's a fun character. Um, yeah, Callisto rules. Uh, she rules, she's got a cool look, and we see some more Morlocks again, which is, well, we see them for a bit. 
The, the Morlocks exist just to die as they have historically. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the Morlocks, so my first thought was like, are those like two beast clones? I also thought that as well. They they are two existing Morlocks. One of them's called like Lump or something. Yeah, when they get like beheaded, the like color scheme kind of looks different. So it's like it was like probably not beast. But like on the page before when it's like all shadowy. It's, it's all yeah, like, when it's like shadowed and in the sun in the sunlight, yeah. it's like that could be it's could signature be beast blue uh in, in the sunset. <laughs> And it's, it, yeah, it becomes clearer that yeah. it's green after. They should do, now that we're doing X-Men Blue Origins, they should also do X-Men Blue Endings where Beast dies. and <laughs> X-Men Blue Origins issue 2, Beast <laughs> dies. They call the, the first one Alpha and the Beast death one Omega, and they're unrelated entirely. <laughs> He's um, not even Omega, right? No, he isn't. No. He isn't. I just they've been naming a lot of I like know. Marvel books yeah. lately. Like, yeah, I think they do that with DC as well. Like, I guess it's just like a comic thing. We get him slicing through the boat, and then moments after, Azazel teleports in to save the day, <laughs> announcing <laughs> "Never fear, the X Men are here." Uh, and then, oh god, what happened? It's an obvious little joke, but it's really funny to me. Like, arriving just after the bad thing has happened is like, it really fits like the tone of what this book is doing. What if a superhero team was like, just ever so slightly worse at their job, and yeah. all the bad things that threaten to get happened do end up happening? I think this suffers like in a weird way again from the like, miniseries curse because because uh, this could be a great like new hellions like the way the oh uh, yeah the dawn of x train of x hellions was but that was that Damn, series was right. great because it had like space to unfold um and you could see like this like kind of demented kind of dysfunctional team uh work or not work uh, i mean fucking Havoc even says, like, in this issue, like, somehow all of my teams end up being dysfunctional recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't think it's gonna get, like, I, I mean, it's still gonna be, like, pretty good. Like, it's been pretty good for these two issues. I just feel like it could be great. I'm worried that I'll feel similarly to how I felt about uh, New Mutants, The Lethal Legion, where the first, like, two, three issues, I was like, I don't like this. And then the last two, like, pulled it together and were really good. And I was like, oh, no, this is really good. <laughs> I don't want to, like, speak too soon on these miniseries. But right now, I'm, I'm into a, cu- a few of them. And a few of them, I'm like, we need to, we need to get the show on the yeah. road here. The last page is some beautiful art of Archangel oh, yeah. slash Death uh, T-posing to intimidate everyone. It's a throwback to uh, when he became Death in um, X-Factor back Damn, in the day. like Oppenheimer did? <laughs> like, like Oppenheimer did, yeah. Um, and he looks very much like the design there, except a lot cooler, mm-hmm. where he has an actual skull and just instead of just, like, a yellow face. It must have been uh, a crazy scene, face. though, where he was, like, having sex with Florence Pugh when she picked up a book uh, mid-sex and was like, hey, read this. Angel would do that. <laughs> he <know>. would. 
He had sex with Husk mid-air, outside yeah. of oh, her no. mom's window yeah. midair. <laughs> Warren doesn't care. War- Warren Worthington the third. He's nasty. <laughs> the same way where like it was pretty good, but like I think the art is not quite as good as Uncanny Avengers, but like close to being very good. Like I think it's over the like it's just very good. It's just Yeah. The faces are a bit more inconsistent. I think the uh color work is doing a lot of heavy lifting. The, the colors oh, are the colors Oh are yeah, the colors are so so good, yeah. Um, but this final page is like great. Yeah. That's uh that's the banger last page to end on. Uh, I mean, Steve Fox said on Cerebro that he's working on some other new X thing after this that is still secret. So, I hope it has yeah. this kind of vibe. Like, I, I am hoping for, like, a Hellions type thing now that you've suggested yeah. it from Steve Fox, because, like, he's good at writing this stuff. He's also writing, like, the Uncanny, or the, um... The Unlimited X-Men on the app right now with another writer and it's like not as, it's not nearly as exciting as this is so I I hope it's in this like dark horror comedy type of realm because he seems to do a really good job at Mm. it. Okay, do we want to move on to like recommendations slash what we've been reading this past week? Yeah. Uh, I guess guess I can start. I mean I already said uh, Tom King Wonder Woman I thought it was a really good issue even if if the guy himself might be a fed or whatever, it was it was just a great comic. So I'm excited to keep reading that. Just like a really strong opening issue. Um, and I'll also do a movie recommendation because why not? Uh, I'm gonna shout out the Roger Corman Vincent Price movie, The Pit and the Pendulum, which is Ooh. a very loose adaptation of the Edgar Allan Poe story. Like. It- <laughs> <laughs> basically just takes the title uh but it starts out pretty boring but then once it gets going it really gets going uh Vincent Price gets to play like two kinds of freaks uh cuz he's like he gets to play like first he's just like this like meek academic type like you know clearly like this uh this this cultured but very broken person basically and then towards the end he spoilers loses his mind and then just goes like full on vincent price uh craziness so it was a i haven't been watching a lot of movies recently or 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 rather for like a couple of weeks i have been like no movies like i've not been able to watch any and this one like just the pacing the like vibes it's just like was a surprisingly present, a pleasant watch for like what is it's supposed to be a terrifying horror movie, but it's like not really. It's the type of, it's the type of horror movie that I like, which isn't actually that scary and more just like spooky Halloween vibes. So. I've mostly just been reading academic stuff uh, over the last week or so, um, but uh, Janosch's recommendation reminded me that I did watch. Um, uh, Hellraiser relatively recently the the, the original Hellraiser Ooh, film I still have not seen that uh, it's, it's really fun 
Uh, my recommendation is the original Talk about things system. that are good because they're uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 got a lot of that vibe. It's 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 a lot of fun as well as like having like really good like special effects work and stuff like that. There's like uh, obviously a lot of iconic scenes and characters from it. Like I don't really have to sell Hellraiser that much to <laughs> to anyone. I yeah. think. Uh, but it's but it's worth watching, you know. It, it it holds up, I'd say. My thing about like Hellraiser is that uh, there's gonna be the you know we talked on the episode before last episode we talked about Bingo, which is the movie watching game that some of us partake in. Yeah, we're starting it the again. The next soon. season is gonna be Halloween themed, and Hellraiser is like one of those that I like. I was like planning to watch on that. Uh, the reason why I'm watching all of these because I I also watched another one of these Corman Poe movies after that, The House of Asher, which was still pretty good, not quite as good as The Pit and the Pendulum, but those are all gonna leave the Criterion Channel like by the end of the month, so I'm just gonna try <laughs> to watch all of them uh, before October, and then uh, can mainline other horror movies. Which, by the way, Holly, if you're interested in partaking that, like, I can send you the Discord invite. Um, oh yeah absolutely i've been reading just a lot of old x-men um i think the gene engineer arc or the the original genosha arc with the gene engineer and uh what i've said it a shit ton of times and now i'm blanking on it um the the maddie arc uh, inferno Inferno. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah um the genosha arc leading into inferno like those two stories together are so so fucking good like it's some of claremont's best stuff but um i also am glad i read x factor before reading um jonathan hickman's fantastic four which i've also been reading a lot of because Artie and leech are both big characters in both those series and i love a fucked up little guy <laughs> and Artie and leech are my two favorite fucked up little guys right now this does explain um, why leech has a future foundation suit as a variant in marvel snap which is something i didn't understand <laughs> oh yeah the future foundation is like a big part of the of the hickman like after i think it really uh, th- that that comic really like kicks off once it changes from fantastic 4 to ff uh, where it's like yeah right now the future foundation where i'm at just got founded oh yeah you um, got they so, just started it but it so hasn't changed titles yet um and it's it is really good there's literally a scene where uh leech needs to be knocked out so his powers stop affecting franklin's powers and he's just going punch 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 and and valerie knocks him on the back of the head with something and knocks him out and she goes what he was asking to be knocked out like that's what he wanted yeah, I I love those kids. Like, yeah, there are a few times where I'm like, the writing of the children is a little awkward. Like, there's sometimes where Franklin specifically is like a little nasty boy, yeah. and I'm like, my polite son Franklin would not be being a nasty boy right <laughs> he would now. Not say that. <laughs> there's some great stuff where like, uh, where like Reed does something, fucks up really bad, uh, and then. Val tries to fix it and fucks up even worse. Like, there's just, like, <laughs> great stuff about, like, how like, these, like, incredible brain genius people are just, like, making everything so much worse by, like, trying to fix everything. 
Yeah, I love Val being like an eight year old and already being like, well, my dad's pretty good, but he fucks up a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to fix everything he does wrong. And I, I do also always appreciate to see the Powers kids. Like, I got through a lot of comics when I was a kid because uh, Power Pack always had a crossover you could buy at, like, Walmart. Um, and so I'm I'm very familiar with the Power Pack, and seeing Alex Powers is, is nice. Um, did either of you read Hickman's Secret Wars? Not yet. Oh, okay. I did when it was coming out, and I don't remember a lot of it, and think I understood less of it, because I had, like, zero context at the time, so I'm planning on doing that, like, now-ish. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna keep reading the Hickman stuff. I would say, like, I haven't read Hickman's Fantastic Four and FF, but, like, part of Secret Wars is effectively, like, an epilogue to that. Yeah, that's why I want to read it, because it's also, like, his, um, it seems like Ultimate Invasion is really playing off of the things that he's writing for Secret War, or wrote for Secret War and wrote in the Fantastic Four in the S.H.I.E.L.D. books he was writing at the same time, and so I want to, I want to read all of that. I'm also just, like, kind of kicking myself, though, because the shit I've been reading is not diverse in any way so this is my second more appropriate shout out of the email now that we're getting to the end of the episode uh if you have i made up a listener in our head in my head this week that's getting mad at us for only talking about a small selection of books so if you have shit you want us to read i will read it um just email us at hated feared at gmail.com i'm not sure i will but I, I'll, I'll read it and then I'll make everyone else if it's good. And if it's bad, I'll call you out on the episode because you know I hate call, yeah. the listener more than anyone. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't only lead, read stuff by like Jonathan Hickman and Chris Claremont. It's just the it. last couple weeks so that's much. what I've been doing. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm also planning to like finish FF. Like I've, I'm like three quarters or, or so through and then I still have like all his Avengers stuff. And then Secret Wars. So. Yeah, I added like all of that shit to my library like two days ago because as I started reading the Fantastic Four stuff again, I was like, "This is so good." Like I was reading a little bit of um, who's the other guy we talk about a lot? Um, uh, Ali Ewing. Ali Ewing. I was reading his Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. which is pretty good, but it is not nearly as good. <laughs> It's Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four. It's, uh, it's, yeah, Guardians is where he first, is one of the places where Ali Wing starts writing Nova, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. The, the Nova stuff in that book is really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, that book is really good. It's just, like, I, I felt like I needed context from other comics, um, which is classic kind classic. of the worst thing you get when you're picking up a new yeah. book. And also, I'm like, I have 900 other things to read. I will come back to Al Ewing's uh, intergalactic. Uh, yeah, Hickman does opera. that. Like, I, I get that feeling sometimes from Hickman, but there's still like enough stuff where his like where it's like I'm I'm still in good hands. Like I'm I'm like I don't need yeah. to worry about all of these, like, you know, stuff like knowing how, like, Leech got there or whatever, like, fine. Yeah. I mean, I could tell you. <laughs> I, could t- I have all of those books saved. I'm ready to read every fucking Leech appearance right now. <laughs> um, should we wrap it up? 
Yes. Is there a place that people can find you all on the internet that you would like to share? Uh, I'm I'm on the I'm on, I'm gonna say I'm on the dark web. <laughs> Darkweb.com. Google Darkweb. Yeah, find us on com. the dark web if you dare, but it's gonna be a yeah, go to... so it's gonna be difficult. Cooldarkwebwebsites.com and then you'll find us yeah. listed there individually. Google MarvelDarkweb.com <laughs> Yeah, dot the dot mvl was funny too. I forgot to mention that earlier. <laughs> it's not a dot com. It's not a dot org. Yeah. It's a dot mvl. Darkweb dot mvl. That'll that'll get you to our social media. Mm-hmm. Our so this has been hated and feared. Our hosts, as you've heard them, have been Holly, Janos, Kiwi, and me, Nick. Um, we will be back probably in a couple weeks. Uh, with some more issues, we'll be talking about. Let me pull them up. Yeah, I think probably in two weeks. I think because I think the pace slows down. Yeah, there are seven books. Um. Yeah. So we will do the Invincible Iron Man ten, Jean Grey two, Realm of X two, Miss Marvel the New Mutants two, Miss Marvel the New Mutant two, <laughs> um, X Men twenty seven, Immortal X Men sixteen, and X Force. 45. So there's some good meat in there and probably some good filler yeah, as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, our intro and outro music is Welcome to My Island by Caroline Polachek. Uh, we're part of Good Episode Productions. And thank you for listening. Resist. Resist. Bye. Bye. Alpha Flight. Forget it, Vindicator. Uh, Hulk smash, little man! Little man, leave Hulk alone! The name's Nightcrawler, and at least I don't reek like unvashed lederhosen. I mean, I just filed to have my last name changed back to Summers. Us brothers gotta stick together, you know? I'm going back with the X-Men. I don't care what you do. I am my father's daughter in the end He says watch your ego, watch your head girl You're so smart, so talented But now the water's turning red And it's all your fault and it's all your mess And you're all alone and can't go to bed Too high on your adrenaline I gotta go somewhere where you can't pretend Or forget the rules or forget your friends Just you and your affection Cause nothing's gonna be the same again No, nothing's gonna be the same again